Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Moms That Say Fuck, hosted by yours truly, Alana Kafitz and Dr. Dina Kulik. I'm Alana, the CEO and founder of Moms Toronto. We're on a mission to bring moms together and give them a great day, revolutionizing maternity leave. And I'm Dr. Dina Kulik. I'm a pediatrician and pediatric emergency medicine doctor. I provide no-nonsense child health advice, dispelling myths, and empowering parents to parent confidently and raise your healthiest kids. Together, we have six kids under eight. We are eager to chat with other moms, entrepreneurs, and interesting people about everything from sex to alcohol, sleep woes, and body shaming. We aren't afraid to talk about taboo topics or share our many opinions. We say it like it is and want to get to the heart of the issues facing moms and caregivers everywhere. Come join us. Hello, 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 mamas and papas. Good evening. Welcome to Moms That Say Fuck, Fuck. <laughs> Dina, kick it off, girlfriend. Yeah. So today we have Dara Bergeron, a no diet fitness and nutrition expert and champion of hashtag mom bod love. Oh, I like it. She's the founder and head trainer of Belly Bootcamp and co-creator of Mama Reset. When she's not training or writing, Dara is mommying her three kiddos and living the small town life. Hello. Welcome. Hello. Welcome. Thank you. We were just talking that we know her from like Toronto life, yeah. but apparently now she's not so in wait, Toronto. Yeah. So you left Toronto? Yeah. Okay. We can say I got the fuck out of Dodge is actually how. I guess so. I don't <laughs> know. I'm a, very, I'm a very Toronto person, a very big city person myself, but yeah. yeah. No, we were too. And um, we just, uh, I think we just one day kind of looked around and thought, did we actually elect to live this life or did we just fall into it? And are we doing it because we feel like it's the cool, hip thing to live in Toronto? Mm. And so, were you born here or no? Uh, I was born in Ottawa. I lived in here, here as a kid. What? And that, I think yeah, 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 yeah. Where, where, where did you live in? I was so little. So we, we, I was born there and then we lived in British Columbia for a while. Oh, and okay. I actually grew up in Saskatchewan and small town what Saskatchewan. Is all of wow. so you've been across the for Canada, 10 like years. The whole Canada. <laughs> and then yeah, came How many back here. <laughs> a few. Let's count. <laughs> for American <laughs> listeners. It's only four. It's only four. Yeah, it's a lot of provinces. It's a lot. And then we came back here when I was in high school. So I've been back. We were in Toronto from the time that I was 15 and, and now I'm well, pushing I'm 30, I'll be 38. So, uh-huh. so 20 years in Toronto. And then we just decided to, we wanted to give our kids a different life, kind of a life. And, and we wanted to slow down for ourselves. I love having fewer options. Like, um, there are some definite moments like tonight coming downtown and, and going to eat and having a million places to choose from uh-huh. is so amazing. But at the same time, like one of the things I work with, with coaching clients, I think it like you can really take it to a big scale mm-hmm. is eliminating choice can simplify and decrease stress. Oh, I and love that's, that. Yeah, it's something I've I think really... You're, I think you're very right. I, I, think, think, I, really I think there's too many choices in some ways. It's hard. We like choice, but then it's like... Yeah. It's fine if it doesn't I'm affect you negatively. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we but call that the non-fat chai latte with extra Exactly, phone. like which... Right. millennial generation. Which, yeah, which indie yeah. coffee shop do you go to? Right. right. And when it starts feeling like you're not... Um, or I'll speak from my own experience, but it started to feel like I wasn't a good enough Torontonian because I wasn't... I didn't have the time or the energy or even the interest sometimes to do all the Toronto things I was supposed to be interested in. You yeah, know, that's like, so interesting. Yeah. Like if, what? Like cultural stuff? Like it, yeah. Oh, like so like dinners? if I didn't make it to TIFF or, and you know, the yeah. list of restaurants I've never that I... have been to TIFF in my life. I haven't never. either. And I felt like a failure. I've been. Like I had... It's co- totally not worth it. Is it overrated? Oh, really? It's like smoke up the fucking ass. <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, um, 
or like the list of restaurants, you know, yeah. we'd have a list of like restaurants that opened five years ago that we were like, we got to go there sometime. Uh-huh. And the reservation list is so long. You're like, fuck, I don't know. We have three yeah. kids. Like, when are we ever going to go? Well, do you like know Aloe, both? I've still yeah. never been to Aloe. I was just going to go to Aloe. Exactly. So it's like, funny. Yeah. Like I said to D- like me and Dina were just talking about this. Like I used to feel like Toronto 11 years ago, the food scene you could stay on top of. Yeah. It's now it's like you now. can't stay on top and of it. fucking traffic. Like, yeah, it's, you know. Going, you're really selling me on the drink. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have my Meanwhile, you were in New York City totally like down. five minutes ago. Honestly, I would <laughs> I like, yeah. We got a fifth bedroom. Right. Uh, yeah, it's, um, yeah. it's it, it was just a personal choice. And you know what? We just kind of went into it thinking if we decided it wasn't for us, um, it was an experiment and, you know, we would, uh, there's no, there's no, reason you can't so did you, change you bought a house in Lindsay yeah so we went camping there and um and then where decided to camping? just move there <laughs> wait where did you go camping so we got the last Bonica? campsite no, no it was Emily Park which is just a random one okay. it was the only campsite left in the entire province of Ontario that for the August so long weekend funny I was on the phone like I think I was back to school shopping with Emily at Staples three children every, they're all like three children are somehow simultaneously in 12 aisles at the same time <laughs> And on the phone with Parks Canada or with Ontario Parks trying to find a camping spot because it was so warm last summer, uh-huh. if you remember, that yes, all Yes, I was the, pregnant. It was terrible. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like all the campsites were booked up super far in advance. And so this woman finally, she called me back actually. She's like, I have one campsite at Emily Park. And I was like, I don't even know where that is. I've uh-huh. never been to that area. I've never even driven through it. And when we went, it was so beautiful. And I was driving through I was I think we'd forgot to pack coffee and I was I got up in the morning took the little one and I was driving to Peterborough and I'm driving through these foggy hills and this beautiful it was like a combination of the farm landscape I grew up with in Toronto or in Saskatchewan combined with like that green Ontario lushness and it was just like it just spoke to me and I was like this is the fucking Kawarthas like mm. this when they say on the news they're like Peterborough and the Kawarthas the weather is I never knew what that was <laughs> yeah. I'm like what's the Kawarthas this is a lot of people cottages out there right yeah a lot of people have cottages yeah, yeah. the Kawarthas so then I was like this is the Kawarthas anyone not in Ontario is like what the fuck are you guys talking about <laughs> so anyway so we uh, we went back to the campsite and I was like can we just take a little spin through this town, Lindsay. We've never been there, and we there was a house for sale a block away, and we called the realtor. What the fuck and are you talking about? You made like the, the decision to leave Toronto, move to some little mm-hmm. shitty town. On a whim, getting on a, a coffee whim, by chance. Wow, I did. This we did. Campsite. Good for you. So to be fair, we had been talking about it for a couple of years, and we just didn't know where to go. We thought about Muskoka, but that's really long haul, yeah, and Jesse still comes downtown, and you know sometimes you need to take meetings downtown. So um, this was like this perfect little place. How it was far is just far enough. It's like an hour and a half to drive. Oh, that's not bad at it's all. It's not no. a nightmare. It's like people live in Vaughan, actually. And yeah. I well, down and here, you know right? What? It's yeah. taking an hour for me just to get across the city, like yeah. taking the kids to their various activities or, uh-huh. you know, like going to Costco or something. And now I'm driving out of my town to go to Peterborough or go to Oshawa Whitby. So I'm still driving like maybe 35, 40, 45 minutes, but I'm not sitting in traffic. Mm-hmm. I'm actually driving. And you probably need more space. More so it kind of feels like right? the same yeah. thing. But easier yeah, driving, but you're moving. Mm-hmm. And cool. we're downtown, so we're and just like walking. all this space? Well, we don't have all this space. <laughs> oh, I don't mean like this. I mean like compared yeah. to like outdoor well, we space. Have, I mean. yeah, like yeah, we have a backyard um, compared to, you know, the postage stamp that we had in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're downtown. The house that we, we bought is is a little heritage house like it was Cute. has a designation and bylaws and stuff mm-hmm. but it's right downtown from the very it's one of the oldest houses so it's 100 and 
it's 150 years old. Um, and uh, it's just a block from the main drag. So that's why we really liked it. Because mm-hmm. coming from the city, we're like, oh, can't do the suburbs thing it's or have Starbucks. to drive everywhere. It's mm-hmm. called Starbucks appeal, I think. Yeah. Well, like there's how a, far is there a coffee exactly. shop? Exactly. Right? So there's one good coffee shop in our entire uh-huh. town and it's one block from my house. Uh-huh. Um, and, and it's not a Starbucks. And, it's, no, yeah. and it's called Boiling Over. But in small town style, it has an apostrophe S at the end. Boiling overs, which drives me fucking crazy every single day. But it's that. I like they're like it's that or Tim Hortons and like just make a drop. So wait, so you're running the business in Toronto from there? Yeah. So tell us about your business. What do you do? Yeah, I don't think you know. Um, so I started a business called Belly Bootcamp. I've always been in the fitness industry since I was, you know going to school for political science and I was going to go to law school and I started doing, um, it was kind of a gym rat and just started doing training on the side. Uh, and that was like 1999. Um, so here we are. Where'd you go to school? Um, I was going to U of T. U of T. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I started University of Toronto. Yeah. University of Toronto, um, for poli sci and, uh, history and geography. Um, and so it was supposed to be a part-time gig and then in the end it just morphed into, um, something that allowed me to, become self-employed and to be more active with my kids when they started being born. So that's how Belly Bootcamp developed. I just decided, you know what, kind of like the Lindsay story, there's nothing I can't go back on. So I left Mm -hmm. my current job, which was training in a large private medical clinic um, and uh, decided to start doing things on my own and thought, you know, what's the worst case scenario if I have to bartend a night or two, um, but I get to spend the days with my kids, I'll give it a shot. And so um, there we are. So now I have a small team of trainers who help me manage the um, Toronto locations. And then we also do um, in-home personal training and online like Skype distance training, which is kind of the yeah, future seen, of... I've actually seen you do that. Yeah, it's it incredible. Amazing. Yeah, well, we should... We should uh, try it sometime Alana it's really it is what I really like about it is I think of myself kind of like a mom to the moms that I work with and my (laughs) desire the mother hen yeah it kind (laughs) of is in like a yeah in kind of a yeah washed up kind of a way but but they they don't necessarily need someone to come in and lord over them for an hour I don't think most of us don't need that really you don't necessarily need someone to stand there you know ring the doorbell to make sure you actually get it done and count it's exactly like I'm a professional counter is really what it is do you want that or they do want there are some people who want that but let's be honest I mean if we all have the budget for that sure like if I could have somebody come to the house and just boss me through a workout five days a week why wouldn't you but um, most of us don't have that budget over an extended period of time. Mm-hmm. And so this kind of online training, what it lets them have is that accountability and that relationship, someone who's like constantly changing their programming for them um, based on you know developments in their own fitness or if they're going through the stages of pregnancy or postpartum. A lot of them are having multiple babies while training with us. So they're pregnant, postpartum, pregnant, postpartum, or having injuries or whatever it might be, playing sports, whatever happens in their lives. So their programming can constantly be updated and they have that accountability and that support of that fellow mom who not only has the amount, the experience and the field, but understands where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. And it allows them to keep training in the long run, which is a much more rewarding way of training and coaching clients to have somebody who maybe doesn't need a huge amount of like um, hands-on uh, direction, but who wants a long-term relationship. Hmm. Yeah, if it can last longer, for sure. Yeah, and then you get to see, you you get a much more intimate um and like successful relationship, I think. Right. Cool. Yeah. That sounds cool. Yeah. So you do it from your house. So I do the, yeah. So I see some clients from my home and then I manage the 
programming for Belly Bootcamp. Um, and then I also have an online business called Mama Reset. And those are specifically online programs. Um, so one that is a 28-day, 10-minute-a-day workout program, just workouts only. And then our signature program, which is called the Mama Reset. And it's a combination of nutrition, um, core, pelvic floor retraining, and then fitness and kind of mindset stuff all in one. Cool. So Very all cool. that kind of stuff. It's awesome. Yeah. I've seen other people do it like online. It looks amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what it's a smart fun. way for you to live in Lindsay and still keep your Toronto Well, clients. that's like, yeah, that's kind of the, the dream, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Working it's from amazing. home is the mom. I think it's the mom dream. Yeah. I mean, unless you just want to be away from your kids and then that's there's, days, there's days. Yeah. There's days. There's days. That seems like the mom dream. <laughs> how old are March break right now? I have three. And how old are they? So they're four, nine, four, no, I don't think about it. Four, nine and 11 and a half, almost mm. 12. Boys, girls. I have a, the little one is a girl. Um, my son is the middle one. He's nine. And then our eldest is a girl. So girl, boy, girl. How is the tween girl business thing? She is the easiest of the three. Well, oh, really? she, she's, I guess she's getting a little bit spicier, but mm-hmm. she's, she's kind of one of those girls who, um, she's slow to develop socially. Like she's very, she's popular and she has lots of friends cause she's very nice and sweet. And, but she's not one of those girls who's like hit that real snarky mm. preteen place early. Hopefully so she, she doesn't. Yeah, well, at least not yet, anyways. But I've heard eleven is the. Yeah, that's why I asked. Do you have an eleven-year-old too? No, I don't. Okay. I, my eldest is eight, and they're all boys. Oh, so, oh but boys. he's gonna be drama, anyways. Already drama. Some of them are. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Eleven's gonna be interesting. That's the, it's but such girls, a random I'm number. Like, 11, like I was such a bitch when I was eleven. I think I'm I was still terrible fucking to my dry, dry, like being sh- uh, dressed out of the Sears catalog at eleven. Mm-hmm. I don't think I had oh, any really? knowledge of culture oh, or anything. Like, a boyfriend and like I remember calling my mom a bitch oh. like I was not <laughs> a nice person my mom was to be like absolutely <laughs> right you're shaking your head yeah Andrew's yeah. just eyebrows went oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's yeah. not right that's not right yeah he's heard the stories from my parents no I was mean I was not nice I was really not a nice person then but I think I'm, there's I'm that's, nicer a, now, I think. that's an age when yeah. it starts. I think that's what I hear. Like yeah. a lot of, I think the, my mom would be like, yeah, about nine. I started. Yeah. <laughs> You're an um, early bloomer. Yeah, I, think, I think love was hard. <laughs> I was an early bloomer. Yeah. I had a boyfriend at 11. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, but it's nice that she's good. That, that she's nice yeah. Person. She's good. It's the little one. That's a pain in the ass. Actually. She's, <laughs> Why? Yeah, yeah. What's her name? Uh, her name's kale. Not like the vegetable. It's C A E L. Um, she's just a spicy meatball. She's, she's a, the kale who's like oh, a she like intimidates <laughs> intimidates it. me and really? yeah she, intimidates she does oh <laughs> she's just it's why like, how she's a super strong personality mm. just like inflammatory and uh sassy and extremely willful mm-hmm. um yeah smart super smart yeah. they're usually super smart right that's how they yeah be, like, that's why they're intimidating because they're like smarter than we are mm-hmm. yeah that's yeah. right you don't want to cross her totally yeah. So do you find that over the years, your you know the type of mom that comes and sees you has changed? Do you find there's differences, or it's been sort of how it is since you started? Um, I mean, when I first started, the, f- mm-hmm. the first ten years, I didn't specialize in working with moms; just worked with you know general population, worked in gyms and clinics and that kind of thing. Um, so that that uh, that clientele, by and large, I think anyone who who's worked in that especially in the time that I was doing it, which was like the late nineties and the aughts, it was all very fat loss oriented. So just tons of, you know, we were really into like bodybuilding. If you're a fitness 
fiend and you did you lived through the 90s you know like the six hour slow incline walk on the treadmill to burn fat and you know what yes. I mean and like that like fat burning zones and, squat and, like, rack yeah. and all, exactly. all those heart rate zones yeah. they still exist eh? like if you look at machines it still says like fat burning zone and yeah, yeah. yeah. cardio zone all yeah. this nonsense like you're gonna burn more fat exactly. if you work out less and get your heart rate up lower it's nonsense well there's some I mean it's just it's it's funny how you can turn you can find a study to support anything right Right. as the old like the saying but yeah so there was those days and then since I started belly boot camp it's been really like 99% pregnant and postpartum moms Mm -hmm. Um, but then as the business has become older we have a lot more moms who are with us past the you know early like brand new mom stage which is nice because those Mm -hmm. moms tend to be a little bit more relaxed Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. than the brand new moms um, I think early mommyhood, you know, Alana has spoken to us a lot, a lot. Early mommyhood sucks and you feel shitty, like yeah. you feel tired yeah. and it's draining and emotional and, you know, tiring and your body, like as, as much as some people really love their pregnant body and they feel, I think you've said this before, right? You liked your pregnant body, didn't you? I fucking hated my pregnant Oh, you pregnant. hated oh, being yeah. pregnant? Did oh, you like being God. pregnant? No, no we, I don't like anything about pregnancy. I like other pregnant. than I get to grow a yeah. person inside of me. But no, I feel shitty and I barf like every day. Okay, yeah, deliver that's and totally different. Wicked heartburn and migraines. And yeah, no, I do not like being pregnant. That whatsoever. sucks, yeah. I've been very lucky to still be very fit throughout my pregnancies. I was able to be until the day I delivered each of my kids. I was mm-hmm. spinning those days. So I was good that way. I didn't have a lot of back pain. You know, I was... Mm-hmm. physically okay minus all the barfing and the very serious heartburn like really serious heartburn yeah really grossness yeah anyway besides all that deliciousness i was able to still work out and that that gave me my like i didn't feel that terrible yeah. because yeah. i was able to work out every day like that was my mm-hmm. and that still is my mental health mm-hmm. medicine really it's my coffee it's my everything i am mm-hmm. addicted to exercise i have been for a very long time you do actually drink coffee though right i do not drink coffee <gasps> I do not drink coffee. Never I drank drink, coffee? Um, I used to until residency. And then I got pregnant with Dylan, my first, yeah. who's eight. And the smell of it, everything about oh, it yeah. made me barf. Yeah. Mm, and then I just never went back. I never, like, and I've had like a handful of like coffees or yeah. lattes or like had a sip of Andrew's coffee. Andrew's a coffee fiend. Yeah. Andrew's with us today. Andrew is our Julian. Andrew's our Andrew. Hello, Andrew. <laughs> He's here more often than Julian now. Um, Andrew raised his hand. He's like, yeah, I'm here. Um, I counted for him. Um, Andrew's addicted to coffee. Anyway, so I've had, you know, smells or sips of coffee it doesn't do it for me at all it really Really? really turns me off so anyway for years nine years i've had one mug of green tea Mm -hmm. in the morning and uh and that's enough but i work out and that's my that's my wake up yeah every morning morning, i lose my mind like i had an early morning meeting this morning Mm -hmm. 8 30 and i had to go on the elliptical for 15 minutes like it was 15 minutes i it was yeah (laughs) that burning zone in my heart was 100 (laughs) it was nothing i was checking my email like i was not doing anything (laughs) but i had to like physically move in some sort of minor way totally or i would have felt totally shitty all day mm-hmm. Actually, um, I think that's yeah. a really like there's a lot of power from realizing that it doesn't need to be 60 minutes 45 minutes it, it does you don't need to track your calories you don't need to set your Fitbit yeah it, like and, and I have a huge number of clients now who um, have attempted to do a massive amount of volume because they believe that's what they need in order to feel good about their bodies and feel mobile and strong. And Who, the Fitbit addiction is strong. Is, oh yeah, right. like, oh, like I, I, didn't I didn't set my yeah. watch. I didn't set my watch. As an yeah. addict. Yeah, do you I, have I've, one? I've had one since 2013. I was like an early adapter. Yeah. So for the first four years I had it, it was like a complete addiction. And then I got rid of it and I was like, I, am addi- I was addicted to my Fitbit. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I became a mom again, I was like, Fitbit. And I think I've had probably 10 i probably have had thousands of dollars of fitbits like hmm. literally have had a lot what of are you them. addicted to what what data 
steps just steps oh yeah right. so yeah. I, I have yeah. an apple watch I'm, I'm wearing it at the moment yeah. and i use it for working out and mm-hmm. i find it helpful for like kilometers run and things like that yeah. but i've never paid attention to the steps i don't know i don't think it's accurate for steps the fit- i had the first apple watch too but and i smashed it teaching a boot camp in a park and <laughs> and i never really get back on the horse right. i tried to the apple watch i just found it i was for me who's hyper connected and obsessed right. with connection yeah i was too connected right i was like i couldn't do it so i was like yeah. i'm happy with the fitbit and all i really wanted to know was like did i move mm-hmm. today or not that's really right. for me it was a barometer like mm-hmm. did i like actually move so in new york yesterday i was in manhattan last night i think i did like the equivalent of well, this makes no sense if you don't know, but like 25,000 steps. Yeah, so obviously right. the daily yep. should be 10,000. So I did like double that. And I'm somebody who at one point I could do 20,000 steps every day of the week. As mm-hmm. a mom now, like if I get to 6,000 steps, I'm still, I see even talking about, it, I'm still obsessed with the numbers. Yeah. I, mean, I am. Wow. Yeah, that's, this that's is a confessional. One, that's I'm that's one data point. I've never really cared about. That I think it's thing. like a, it's a, it's like the, f- the f- other side of the coin and um, of like the, the calorie counting coin. Yeah. I mean, we like, going back to that 90s thing and those of us who who kind of grew up working out staring at the display on a treadmill yes. and waiting until it got to 500 calories or 600 calories or whatever it was yeah. that said that okay you're allowed to now go eat yes um that's a really you're really like, literally like you're allowed to go saying eat. my right. life yeah exactly, exactly right do you know phoenix Fitness? i never yeah. yes I, yes i never you know what they're every day so like, did I. every fucking day so did I. yes mm-hmm. that's why i used to see yeah, you in exactly. university yeah yeah yeah, so, yeah. And those um, things, those are. Those I never really are, thought about that, but you're yeah. right. I was like, okay, now I can have an extra treat or mm-hmm. whatever it was. Those are yeah. powerful, powerful, um, powerful, powerful indoctrinations, and they're not. Um, they're not gone just because we start to read about body positivity, or just because we become aware. Becoming aware of those, like when you talk about. Um, tracking your Fitbit and being aware that you're addicted to the mm-hmm. Fitbit. Maybe addiction is a strong word, but mm-hmm. um, but that that's where the discomfort is is it's one thing to be back in 1999 staring at the display not realizing you're caught in this trap it's a whole other thing to have come to a sense of awareness where you think ooh i am really uncomfortable if i don't hit a certain number mm-hmm. and i do attach my value to this whether it's the amount burn on the treadmill the number of steps um hit in a day or um whether you had an evening snack or whatever it is that you would whatever quantifying that you attach your value to and when you become aware that you are attaching your value to that it's a really uncomfortable process as you work your way out of um, of that definition of yourself. And it's a, it's a slow process. So knowing that mm-hmm. there's something weird, like maybe weird, I'm going to speak for you, Alana, mm-hmm. but knowing that there's something um, uncomfortable or weird yeah. about like fixating on that number, yeah. even as you speak about it, doesn't make you over it. It just makes you aware of there, it, which is even more painful. And I would say like this generation of moms, like the millennial generation, mm-hmm. we are so fucked. So data-driven. I mean, and but so, we're so data-driven, but also like, you're somebody who works with women with all the time. Mm-hmm. I would say 99.9% of women, mm-hmm. maybe Dina's excluded from that, like have body image issues or have... Dude, do you think I know sort of, body image no, issues? I mean I, I'm not, I mean, I think you're a very confident, healthy woman. Yeah. You've made some very amazing mm-hmm. strides through your life to create uh, spaces and places for yourself to just make very good decisions. I would say like, okay... I say a lot of women do that, mm-hmm. right? To the point where I find with my mommies and mom's T.O., like I find like... That seems to be the only driving factor for people's a lot of their decisions. Mm-hmm. Like everything body? is revolved around eating. It's their oh, only value. It's their yeah. only value. It's their only value. value is like, and I see these women now. Like I keep sounding joking with my husband. Like when I hit forty, I'll be like in my best shape ever mm-hmm. because my kids will be grown and I can finally focus on myself. So to me, like focusing on myself means like I will be in the best shape ever. So mm-hmm. in your experience, there, like what are, what's the narrative? Like what's that? What's like the universal truth or the essentialized? Like boiling it down. And your experience, most women or a lot of women go through 
what exactly when it comes to body image and in motherhood you mean specifically yeah, for sure. i mean that's our demographic. Or pregnancy too i think yeah honestly i i don't think our generation stands a chance i think we're gonna have to be that watershed generation that um and even the women now who are you know just coming of age or about to enter motherhoods i i think that that it's too late for us um i think we will probably have to spend a great deal of our energy processing the way that we've been um, educated mm-hmm. um, and making conscious decisions to experiment with our own bodies, which is a process I've been going through for the last few years and figuring out what have I been taught that I no longer believe? What have I been taught that I do believe? And what is my experience in my own body when I try these things and you know use myself as a case study of one? Um, what I hope is that for our daughters mm-hmm. that we are able to do things like minimize their exposure to um, cultural influences. Like we don't have women's magazines or, I mean, I'm, and it's not a place of judgment. It's just Dude, a social media. I've had to, but I feel like it's worse than magazines. Yeah, we do have social media, but we don't have, so you make your decisions about which, which ones you want to control, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I do have social media, but I'm quite careful with my own social media in terms of what I expose myself to, because for the longest time I did follow every skinny blonde woman, who mm-hmm. I thought Im- Im- embodied what I should strive for. Right. And over time, as I got to that place of realizing my yeah. own like internal discord, I thought I have to, un- I have to not look at that anymore. I yeah. have to fill my feed with women who are of body sizes that look like mine, mm. different colors, different um, cultural backgrounds, different um, political beliefs and show and have diversity, expose myself to diversity. Even if sometimes I'll be totally honest, there was a large period of time where I would intentionally put larger bodies in my social, my own social media feed. And I would still have a visceral reaction to those larger bodies, seeing them. Mm. If I were to scroll through skinny, 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 not skinny. And the reaction when you've been taught that your entire life, like we were saying earlier, it doesn't just because you intend to be positive about your own body or positive about other people's bodies doesn't override all that indoctrination immediately. Yeah. So you still see those bodies that go, ooh, really? Is she going to wear that bikini in public mm. like that? Because you've been taught for 35 years that that's improper, wrong, mm. um, gauche, whatever. Mm. So there is like a really uncomfortable period where I had to come to terms with that. And at that time, I was still really judging my own body. Mm-hmm. And as I became more exposed to... Um, other to to like as I, as I f- expose myself more to other kinds of bodies and as I um, learn to stop to like explore my own feelings about my body and become less judgmental towards myself I also became less judgmental towards other people's bodies which made me a better trainer a better coach a better friend a better a better leader I think in in a, in a field like this and then ultimately able to see the truth behind the messaging that like women can look differently from one another and still reflect health, fitness, um, value, worth, mm-hmm. you know, leadership. I'm sure you guys had the same, uh, I love everything you just said. It was, love it. Beautiful. <laughs> um, I remember, so I was a chubby kid. Yeah, me and, too. Uh, so I, I'm still a chubby kid. <laughs> me too, actually. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I, uh, I, I tell people all the time, my body, the way it's meant to be, if yeah. I were just to like, let it all go, yeah. not even like, just normal eating, to be yeah. honest, like not like, and I'm not restricted, but I definitely watch what I put in my right. body. My body is what is like a 1600s painting of a woman who's breastfeeding or pregnant yeah. or something lying there. Like I meant to have these gigantic boobs and <laughs> big rolls. Like that's my natural body. Yeah. If I don't work out every day, if I'm not really like thoughtful what I eat now, I'm keto, et cetera. I am meant to be like 250 pounds. Yeah. What do you think, Andrew? 
You think so? That's where my body goes. All tits. Yeah. All tits. <laughs> just like, but you know what I mean? Those paintings, right? The women are just like, Whoa. Totally. Like There's Rubens. Like eight yeah. Yeah. Like Rubens. Like eight babies like sucking on teeth. Yeah. I meant to be like. Uh, you what? literally do have um, like um, eight babies, don't uh, you? <laughs> not all breastfeeding. Only all breastfeeding. Like a little piglet. piglet. Like, <laughs> teats. They're called teats, teats at that point. They're no longer breasts. <laughs> we didn't have someone draw that. Just like me and a bunch of like pigs. Little, little, little. I could probably get that done. Oh, I love that. I love that. do that. Fever. Going fever. Fever. Whatever it's called, yeah. Fiber. Fiber. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so um, so anyway, I remember being like young, and mm-hmm. I have three brothers, and my brothers are, are very thin. Yeah, my dad is very thin, yeah. and my mom uh, is thin and small breasted, and mm-hmm. I had big boobs even when I was like eighteen. Like I started yeah. wearing like a bra thing, but like a bra, not just like a little thing that covers your nipples, but like a bra when I was seven. No exaggeration, and I was it wasn't like fat; it was breasts. Like yeah. I legit started everything very early. Um, and I remember looking at magazines like teen or whatever, all these, you know, yeah. baby boppers, boomer, baby boomy, you know what, you know what totally. I mean? Those magazines. And, um, <laughs> definitely know what they're called. Those awesome. <laughs> I don't think, so no one knows boomer, what you're yeah. talking like, about. You know what I mean? Teen like, bob, teen bob. bob yeah. yeah. Whatever. 17. Teen beads, yeah, yeah, right. 17. Or like being at camp, Sassy. being at camp and I'd like all these skinny friends and yeah. anyway. And I remember like, you know, early memories of like feeling lesser than, or like I was a failure yeah. in some way. Yeah. And like, I had the rest of my life together and I was always like this super planner and very much forward thinking and I want to be a doctor and I want to have all these kids mm-hmm. and like all these things I was very forward check, thinking check check check, check. It, check. All, it all worked out thankfully <laughs> but um but yeah like you even as a young person you get really mm-hmm. stuck on like you're not as skinny as your friends how come my brothers are so thin and they eat worse than me and I can't manage that okay thinking about it like seven or eight like oh I shouldn't have that cookie but my brothers would eat the five cookies and it wouldn't even matter right but you at know? some point you received the message that um, you needed to control yourself in a way that they didn't, right? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean, because but I'm they- not sure how external it was. I feel like, no, I mean, no one, no one said so. No one mm-hmm. called me fat. Like, I, I didn't. Mm-hmm. I was never bullied, and I wouldn't say that I was. Um, I mean, I wasn't obese. Yeah. I was heavier than a lot of my friends, yeah. but I wasn't like obese. Like right. I didn't have an issue. Yeah. My doctor went to being like, there's a problem here. Um, actually around that, actually, I do remember very, very vividly. I, I might've been eight or nine years old. I was like around Dylan's age, my eldest. Mm-hmm. And I went to my doctor who was a male doctor and not so tactful. Yeah. And I remember I got weighed and we did the thing and I was probably like 85th percentile. Like I wasn't yep. too big, but I was heavier than 50th percentile. Mm-hmm. And I remember he takes me to this cupboard in his office. My parents don't remember this at all, but I brought it up to them recently. And he goes, here are these special cookies. They will keep you full. You're not allowed to eat any of their cookies. And it was like the super fiber thing. I remember mm-hmm. the taste of it. I remember the look of it and everything. He was giving me diet food. Mm-hmm. I was like eight. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget how badly that made me feel about myself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so, so anyway, young at a time when I was like really young, but at yeah. a time very when, young, like it was a, very yeah. hurtful. It was super duper yeah. hurtful. And you still remember yeah. it. I remember vividly. I remember yeah. the room. I remember the yeah. cupboard. I remember what the cookies looked like, tasted yeah. like everything about them. It's really unfortunate that when someone in a position of power can make that kind of impression because you can't undo that. Yeah. But I think what I hope is that for the, all, for all of our girls or our sons, because there are lots of men who struggle with body image and of course. who maybe feel, um, oppressed in the same way or many of the same ways, but also feel uncomfortable discussing it because they're, they're coming from a position of feeling like they're not supposed to care so much about how they look. Whereas we are expected to care a great deal about how we look. Um, but whatever the gender, I hope that our kids have enough that we, that we can continue to accumulate, um, representation of other body types so that if they are faced with a tactless, like diety, 
Debbie diet doctor who says maybe you should <laughs> diet Debbie is the, is the like alter ego that I talk to my clients about. <laughs> I love like diet everybody Debbie. has diet Debbie in the back of their head. Yeah. But you know, if they're faced with somebody like that in a position of power, a parent who says, Oh, you're getting a little chubby or whatever it might have. Like I have a memory of my mother, God bless her. Like she's not, I don't know why I said God bless her. I'm an atheist, but I just feel like I just want you to know I love my mother. But she, she, um, at one point I remember being around the same age, probably seven, eight years old, getting out of the bathtub and her saying something like, Oh, we're getting a little chubby. I think we're going to have to, uh, careful about that or something. It's probably the one time in my entire life she ever made a comment about and my you remember weight. Very and well. I still remember it. Yeah. And I remember laying in bed with my younger sister. I would have been maybe 10 or 11 years old. So she would have been eight or nine years old. And we were sharing a room, two girls, no, no other siblings, um, and do, doing sit-ups in our bed at night, mm-hmm. eight and 10 years old. I remember I remember doing the same and like yeah. very, very young. Like if I just had enough crunches, if yeah. I yeah. just ran on the spot, at like, and 10, I would do it for like, you know, oh, yeah. 10 minutes or like three days 100%. and I'd be like, this is stupid. But I remember like picking up like women's magazines and like, like during the Cosmo workouts and yeah. shit like that. Yeah. And I was like little exactly. and, I, and I didn't have a problem, exactly. but it gave me a problem. Like I ended up having like, you know, think about it. So actually thinking about this ma- woman, man thing, um, I'm just going to put Andrew on the spot for 10 seconds because Andrew was a really big Shaking child, his head. <laughs> a really big child and um, like obese, I would say. What? But yeah. I have no recollection of that. Oh, he was a big dude. When, Andrew? When? Oh, childhood. He was always big until we started dating. He went up to like 220 and Andrew's like 5'8", maybe. I don't he, think he that's so big. I think he was big dude. And now he runs marathons. And now we no, but like for a little dude. Anyway, he, now he runs marathons. Anyway, but <laughs> I, this I, conversation all, all I want to ask, <laughs> all, all I want to ask, let's talk is, about your weight for audience. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. Um, <laughs> no, I, what, what I was wondering is because I feel like definitely some boys feel this, no doubt, yeah. absolutely. But mm. I think it is more of a. I think it is. I, a young girl thing because yeah. my guess, and I think I know Andrew's answer is: Did you feel lesser than or anything? Like, could could I've pictured you like? doing sit-ups in your room at nine because he's you felt fat. He's mic, Dina. No, but I think, well, you can. You're welcome to sit with me. He's oh. like, he's like, I don't want to be doing this. I want to be playing <laughs> on Chive right now. Were you on Chive? No. Yeah. Um, so, no, I wasn't part, didn't have any body image issues ever. Yeah. Like, it just never affected me. Did you know way. that you were big? Yeah. But you didn't give a shit. I don't give a shit. But it, it would be impossible to be born a woman and and. And, be, and, and to, to have that just completely go over your head like that. Yeah. It would have been impossible. I think so. I think so. I don't um, think you could be in any I'm sure culture. some boys have issues with it too, but I think certainly like mm-hmm. 99.9% of girls would have those issues and many, many fewer And are still carrying boys. them now. Yeah. Which is... There, I think you could honestly do a 12 part series with us where we could talk <laughs> yeah. about, no, I'm not kidding. This one issue yeah. and like hyper focus and like zoom in it's on a very lot big. of like the microcosms mm-hmm. of body issues, um, negative um, yeah. value of women. I don't even know what the topics are. It's yeah. like all of this resonates with it's me so and I'm like, I'm quiet and listening because yeah. like it rings too true. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. I think too we all have that. Reaching. I just wrote an article called I'm a fat mom mm-hmm. and it went like, it resonated and hit a chord mm-hmm. so deep with so many women mm-hmm. that women were writing me confessionals and I actually wanted to do a whole social media campaign called I'm a fat mom. Mm-hmm. And people wrote me like, we can't use that word. I'm like, it's like F fat is the new fuck word. It's like saying fuck. It's like, yeah. there should be moms that say fat and like mm-hmm. it'd be more offensive. Yeah, right. And probably Apple wouldn't post it because it said fat instead of fuck, right? Did most people say don't use that word or did most people agree with your use of the word like in terms no, of how they see themselves. It wasn't necessarily that. I think what do they want to say? Obese? Like no, what's no, the word they're looking for? Just, I think people have a visceral reaction they to think They oh, yes. perceive it as yeah. insulting yourself Correct. or insulting. Oh, I see. That's I right. See. And I wrote a similar thing yeah. last year saying my daughter calls me fat and this mm. is why I don't correct her. Mm. And 
and it's true people the, this is where you see people's um their brainwashing is that you can say i'm a fat mom and the knee-jerk reaction which comes from a place of kindness right. but show betrays their um their their inability to grasp the topic overall is that they say but you're not fat right. or or here's the there's the yeah. you're not that fat right. oh, cool. <laughs> yeah okay you're missing the point right. right well it's interesting because i almost wanted to be pro- provocative on purpose yeah. because i found like especially over new year's like when it was january at like the first six weeks i was like fine i'm gonna get into shape i'm gonna finally do it i'm like my mm-hmm. kid is three and a half months old i should give myself a break mm-hmm. plus like i feel like a lot of women like me i have this like voice of the people to some degree where like people are like thank you for writing that and it yeah. was like so nice to know that i'm the only one suffering but like dina who had like this traumatic experience you know my mom who's like I think is like gorgeous. I think mm-hmm. my mom is a knockout. Mm-hmm. She's always thought she was fat. She still thinks she's fat. She's chubby now. Like she's a little bit overweight now, but she's 75 and she like eats like a king, you yeah, know? So, yeah. you know, and she's a little bit physically challenged. So she can't move that much. But there was a time when she was my age, when she was 35, she for sure thought she was fat and she was fucking smoking. Mm-hmm. Right. So like, I need to give, I always think about that. Like, and my husband, you know, he still wants to fuck me all the time. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Like as long as I get him laid, he's happy. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm somebody who's like, I don't, I like the way I look and feel when I'm thin or strong and feeling and eating well, period. Mm-hmm. Okay. So for me, it's like, that's, it. it's not a vanity. It's like, I, I want to fit in my jeans. Yeah. I want to feel well. Mm-hmm. And I actually like moving because of the endorphins. I actually don't like working out mm-hmm. and I like to eat well. Like we like to drink a lot and we mm-hmm. like to, and I like to party with food. We celebrate with food. Mm-hmm. We, we mourn with food. We do everything with yeah. food. food. We elevate food in our life. It's like up here, you know, and that's like a normal human. And, and so are we. That's like a normal yeah. human thing. Like yeah. yeah. And it, and taking like taking all of the pleasure out of food is such a, it makes me want such to cry. a punishing thing yeah. to do to women. And, and when, when I'm working with a woman who's, who's, uh, you know, we, I do do some nutrition coaching. It's not, um, there's no calorie counting, it's not diet. Largely it's around planning and understanding hunger cues and, um, learning how to prepare in advance to yeah. stay organized during the week. It's a, not at all anything related to diet or fat loss or anything like that. But sometimes there will be, you know, kind of we call like pain points or sticking points where people have those dis- feelings of discomfort. So maybe it's that they have a chronic, you know, bowl of ice cream a night or two beers every night after work or whatever it is. And they, for them, causes discomfort. They're <laughs> she I just hit my mic. Moving her mic. She hits a mic all the time. <laughs> where I just hit my mic all the time. Sorry, guys. Andrew is more upset about that. Have you ever noticed there's like. <laughs> That would be Alana playing with something near the mic. Uh, your necklace, actually. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay, I'll take it off. <laughs> if there's any like little chirping, I'm so tired. Please leave me alone. Not tonight. This is really late in mom hours. Yeah. It's like yeah. two a.m. in mom hours. Yeah. Anyways, I was, but if they have a sticking point, so a certain time of day or something that they're struggling with, that's a habit that makes them feel uncomfortable. Um, I totally lost my train of thought. Um, but. Oh, sometimes what what we'll have to realize is that, that um, they might assume that there's an issue just because they want to soothe with food. That, that there's something wrong with that. That is actually it's been indoctrinated into us. One hundred percent, the purpose of food yes. is to soothe. And when we like cannot, when we just are so far off the deep end with it that we can only see, you know, the food is fuel or whatever. Well, of course, you want to be responsible about what you consume 90% of the time. Should you eat, breakfast, you know, ice cream for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Probably not. Do you, are you going to at some point give in and eat ice cream if ice cream is your thing? Of course you are. So why don't you just plan that you're going to have ice cream and then enjoy it and enjoy it. And, but, but, and again, like we were saying earlier though, make those are those are steps that need to be taken deliberately and that need to be applied hopefully within a good coaching situation because 
simply making those decisions doesn't take away those bad feelings. We are, we still might sit there going, Ooh, we really shouldn't have this or we yeah. deprive ourselves, deprive ourselves, deprive ourselves. And then we eat a gallon of ice cream. Right. And then you feel really shitty. And after. then we feel yeah. shitty because yeah. that does not associated exactly. with eating. That yeah. doesn't align with our values. Yeah. And it's not actually the losing weight. My experience, it's not the losing weight or the, or the fitting back in the jeans or whatever it is that actually causes, um, the change in someone's feelings about themselves. I think the best way to come at it is to figure out what what are the things I'm doing in my life which don't align with my values. Am I drinking too much alcohol? Am I am I am binge eating because I'm uncomfortable? Am I going along with um, things that I don't really like? Am I living in a place I don't want to live in? Whatever it is, and find where our behaviors don't align with our values. And then when we start to take steps, like you said, you you feel good when you're moving regularly. Mm-hmm doesn't have to be um, that you clocked a certain number of calories or that you hit seven days out of seven or that you lost five pounds. But when you start to rack up those moments where you're like, yeah, I'm doing, I'm fucking walking the walk. I say, I think exercise is important. I want my kids to exercise. Look, I exercise three times this week and that's better than the one time I did it last week. Or you know what? I do feel shitty when I eat six cups of ice cream in front of Netflix every night at 9 p.m. So tonight it's had one cup of ice cream. And when we make those steps where our actions meet up with our priorities and our values mm-hmm. we feel so much more authentic and so much more valuable and 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 worthy and strong and then i think we get to a place eventually of mental wellness where we can start to have healthy habits which are more in moderation more in line with our actual goals and then we see weight starts to stabilize i think um potentially up or potentially down but within some kind of a range where we feel comfortable and we can maintain it and so the struggle then is in deconditioning ourselves to expect that range to look like this person or that person. Or God, mm-hmm. I love everything Amen. you're saying. I'm like, and because also just if I, for the audience, like, yeah. like you're a very beautiful woman, right? And I'd say like to some degree, what you're saying to me is like even more, you resonate more with me than other people I see on Instagram because I'm somebody who Thanks, like have a little meat on my bones, right? Yeah. So like I had to tell you, like I live and breathe in the mommy ecosystem yeah. for social media me and almost 90% of the women who are popular and famous mm-hmm. are, are nutrition, wellness, mm-hmm. workout mm-hmm. people. And I'm like, you, I just, I'm never going to look like you. That's not this my is, reality. Yeah. And Sam core trainer, who's mm-hmm, another popular mm-hmm. trainer in the yep. city. I once heard her speak and she's like, just unfollow, just like exactly as you yeah. said, but yeah. what you said to me just like resonated with my aha moment of this podcast so far mm-hmm. was like, we are the watershed generation. Like yeah. it's too late for us. I think almost every mom I have like body dysmorphia, yeah. eating disorder, Definitely. like eating disorder, like, like, um, magnified during pregnancy mm-hmm. and even more postpartum. And probably some things that should have been actually treated, like, like their very unhealthy relationship women. with yeah. food. And like, I mean, I'm somebody who like has always battled with this mm-hmm. and I'm like, always like, maybe done it silently like but like Dina I look nine years old my mom took me to Weight Watchers to go with her to Weight Watchers to see Weight Watchers when I was nine and that like was a very you know and having scales in my life all my life and somebody is so funny oh so after I wrote this article so I'm a fat mom somebody called me who's like a another mommy influencer blogger um Mm -hmm. I'd say person in the community who's very popular and she's like I ordered you a book you have to read this book I'm like you got me a book book it's called intuitive eating yeah and I was like oh she's trying to fix you I was like yeah I was like okay She's like, I can't book. wait Missed to the, the day. Point. She goes, I can't wait to the day where you go on Instagram and you throw out your scale. And I was like, thank you so much for the phone call. It was it came from such a good place. Yeah. But I'm like, this is what I'm saying is like, this has affected this, this issue I think mm-hmm. could be Dina in and itself is the entirety. And I think health and wellness is okay. I'm 
not bashing mm-hmm. that at all. I think health and wellness is so important. I'm saying is that you said you, you like hit the nail on that. We are the watershed mm-hmm. generation. Mm-hmm. We are so fucked from all of those yeah. things, right? From margarine and fast food. Oh, margarine. And then, like, I'm thinking about yes. margarine and microwaves and yeah. like, totally. you know, I grew up eating like Katie and ravioli and Oreos. Yeah. Like that yeah. was my family's diet. And then when I was 16 and was fat, I started like, you know, eating asfalfa sprouts and, and salad by itself and cold cuts and Diet Coke. Mm-hmm. And when like my and parents... super guilt, I'm sure about it. For sure. Everything when my parents discovered that was tasty. Atkins, my yeah. family only <laughs> ate meat for 20 years. Right. Really? Yeah. <laughs> like just Atkins for 20 years. The like Flintstones. My, that's literally the Flintstones, <laughs> you know? So it's funny. It's, it's interesting when I speak to people like that. And because you deal with moms so much yeah. in this health and wellness industry. It's so... It is the what same story. What it's the same story over and over and over and over. And... And I and everyone thinks they did it by themselves. By the way, so like I didn't have any heavier friends growing up. Mm-hmm. I was like the one that was the chubby yeah, one, yeah. but I was super athletic and mm-hmm. like I was healthy. I was mm-hmm. fine. I was healthy, mm-hmm. but I was chubby. And I had that same and like I don't guilt. Remember you ever being chubby? Oh, dude, I was chubby. I remember you having big boobs. That was it. Oh, like, I'll, I'll, nice I'll, knockers. I'll, um, really nice ones. I. You also knew you me at have, sixteen. You also have nice knockers. Yeah, no. <laughs> I, I thank you. I just saw Dina naked thank last weekend. I have pretty good boobs for for breastfeeding mama four. It's pretty decent, right? Yeah, they're pretty okay. Um, <laughs> no, no, I was chubby. No, I was legit chubby. I'll, I'll put some pictures no up. Way. I was a chubby I don't remember kid. That, but okay. I'll no, I really, really was. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, what was I saying? Yeah, so I was chubby. And I remember the guilt. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I just remember thinking, I really want that cookie. Like, I, the cra- like, think about the cookie for hours and hours. And I would, like, go make myself salad to, like, fill myself up because mm-hmm. I thought that's what I should do. And then, but I'd be thinking and thinking and perseverating about the damn cookie or the bowl of ice cream or, or whatever it was. And then I would eat it and I couldn't mm-hmm. eat one. I would eat like five of them. And then yeah. I felt terrible about myself. Yeah. But if I just given myself the fucking cookie, the one cookie at the beginning, I wouldn't have gotten so built up about the damn cookie so and I wouldn't have eaten with, lots so of them. So with your own kids, what do you do? Do you let them indulge or how do you deal so with we're, sugar? So I, I feel like we have, oh, my kids have treats. Yeah. So I feel like we... I really feel like we have a really good, healthy relationship with food. Now I'm in a totally different place. I don't binge on anything. I don't feel like I have to because I eat what I want when I want to. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoy what I eat. So we, uh, I'm, I'm quite health conscious and I think about what I'm eating, but we go out for dinner basically every weekend and I'm keto, but I'm not keto when I go to restaurants. And so I went out last night with some girlfriends and mm-hmm. I ate everything they ate in a normal amount. And we didn't happen to get dessert because we weren't hungry for it. But on Saturday, we went out and Andrew and I had two desserts. But when I eat things, I just think about them and I enjoy them and I savor them. And I, and I don't have any guilt about it. I'm like, I'm having dessert right now. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I enjoy it. Like, I think about it. I think a lot of us, when we delay and delay and delay the gratification, then is when we binge. And we don't even really think or taste it. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just like, get it in now. And mm-hmm. like, you know, there's this delayed thing, you know? Yeah. So I really like try to in, indulge in my food, but with our kids, yeah. our rule in our house is everyone has the same plate of food mm-hmm. from the baby to the eight year old to us. Everyone has the exact same thing and it's, it's healthful things, you know, but like, you know, Andrew made macaroni and cheese on the weekend, right? His own. Oh, I saw that. Rep- it right? looks sick. Andrew. And it was, mm-hmm. de- and it's yeah. delicious. Um, really, really good. And not like purely healthy, but like healthier pasta and like real cheese, like, you know, it's healthy stuff. Anyway, so my kids eat the same thing as all of us do. Mm-hmm. And if they eat it in a reasonable way, they don't have to finish every lick lick, but they have to eat it in a reasonable way. Then they can have some kind of fruit, which mm-hmm. is their choice, whatever they want, you know, berries or grapes or banana or whatever. And then they can have a treat of their choosing. And that mm-hmm. might be a bowl of ice cream or it might be a cookie or it might be whatever, mm-hmm. a granola bar, a yogurt. They think mm-hmm. yogurt is treat. Um, <laughs> but but they That's will awesome. not get the treat if they okay. don't have the fruit and the rest of the meal. But yeah. again, they don't have to finish everything on the plate. They, they eat it in some. a reasonable amount. Yeah. But, but I also am really adamant that parents 
um, not give this and this and this and this, and they're like lion chefs because their oh, kid yeah. refuses to have this, they refuse to have this, oh, who and needs they it only want to have chicken yeah. fingers, and they only want to have yeah. yogurt or whatever. We don't play the game. If you don't want to eat, don't eat, but I'm not giving you anything else. And it's then tomorrow, way harder you'll to correct that later on. that story you told me? About what? About the McDonald's kid? I can't. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. I, I, see, I see a lot of kids that, that have um, really poor diets because that's what they choose to eat, and parents feel so badly that mm-hmm. they're going to go to bed hungry and they're going to wake up hungry and what are we going to do? And so they cater to that and they give them what they want, but kids are not smart enough to make decisions about what, they're, what they should be eating. Yep. And then I think I feel strongly that they end up developing a, a very significant taste for the process, the salty, the sugary, and then no longer are able to really even tolerate things that don't have that same strong uh, flavor palette. Mm-hmm. And so things that are not super sugary and salty, they, they don't like as much. Like, we know that, right? Like broccoli tastes a bit bitter. Mm-hmm. If you are always eating super salty and sugary, broccoli will taste much more bitter to you. You know, mm-hmm. where things that don't have a lot of flavor, mm-hmm. they it tastes almost like bad to them. Like water to some kids tastes like toxic because they're so used to the sugary stuff. So it's so interesting. It's bringing kids. it back to like real food, and then I, I wouldn't say we reward our kids with food because actually we don't do that at all. But again, they can have it at the end of their meal if they eat a decent amount, and if that. not, then go to bed hungry. Like there's, it's pretty regular that one of our kids doesn't eat anything and. Austin ate nothing for dinner. Nothing. I didn't offer him fruit. I didn't offer a dessert. And he was good. He went to bed. Like, that was it. You don't want to eat? Doesn't want to eat. But I'm not mm-hmm. going to offer him something else because he didn't eat. Because that's like an endless game that people are playing I saw, with their I, kids. I, I honestly, mm-hmm. I was like, I used to see people run around with forks chasing their kids. Yeah. Like, eat this. And then I saw me and my husband. I watched my husband do it to my son. Mm-hmm. Look, we cannot do this. Like, we are not going to start chasing our kids with forks. Yes. And like, I sometimes go through the laundry list of like, okay, Elias didn't eat anything. He didn't eat anything. We made him something. He didn't eat it. So you inspired me dinner. And also did um, Aviva Allen. Mm-hmm. She actually inspired me many, many minutes ago mm-hmm. early on. And she was like, just sit together as a family. You yeah. don't necessarily need to be eating all this, but just sit at the table. Mm-hmm. So even if we're not necessarily eating all the same thing, mm-hmm. like Elias ate at six, we ate at six thirty tonight. He had pierogies. Matt made like this like cordon bleu recipe, of like amazing, insane fish dish. So we made Elias come back and sit with us while we ate and we sat with him. So I like, think those eating should be a things. social experience. I think yeah. we've moved I think we mm-hmm. so much of us have moved away from that. It's like yeah. this is a nineties thing too, like sitting having like T V dinners in front of the TV. Right. We should be like in a in a circle, talking to each other, sharing about our days. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like that's something that a lot of families are missing. And it's a way to connect with your kids, of course. But when your kids see you eating well, healthful, a variety of things, Mm -hmm. they want to do the same. Like they want to share that social experience, right? A lot of families say to me, like they eat so well at daycare. My kid eats so well at daycare, Mm -hmm. but they come home and they fight and I have to make them all these things. They throw it on the floor. They have temper tantrums. The difference at daycare is because there's one option Mm -hmm. and it's a social experience. Yeah. All the kids are eating together. Everyone's eating it together. There's no arguing. I want a peanut butter sandwich. It's one option. Yeah do that at home. There's definitely, I think there's definitely some like caveats to that. Just that there has to be, first of all, there have to be cooking skills and that not everybody has those. And that is like, there's a learning curve there. There also has to be nutrition knowledge and not everybody has that. It can be shocking to think how many people don't know. You know, for those of us who do consume, especially those of us who maybe come from that disordered eating background where we like have like consumed every bit of nutrition and fitness, every magazine, every article ever written to try to learn more. And there are people who di- who haven't, right? Who just legitimately do not understand the, you know, macronutrients and, 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 or how to prepare foods beyond like the craft dinner and whatever they were raised on, right? So, yeah. so there's those things. And that's I such think, a good point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think the other thing is that this is really, to me, is a, a feminist issue too, because we exist in a culture where the the demands of consumption are that we have a two parent 
a two parent, in, like two income families it, most of the time, right? We have to have two incomes to sustain the level of consumption that we consider normal for our society. And so then you have a working mother whose job is also whatever her work looks like. If you're self-employed mm-hmm. like we are, it could be 16, 17 hour days. Um, if you're a nine to five mom, it could be the daycare drop off and the daycare pickup and mm-hmm. then temper tantrums and someone shit themselves and whatever, right? And then at the end of that, you're going to go into the kitchen and prepare. So when we work, when I work with a client on meal planning and prepping, mm-hmm. it's to be prepared in advance for those shit hits the fan days mm-hmm. so that you have kind of options that work that everyone will eat. One of the, um, my favorite dietitians who's a pediatric dietitian works with families. Her name is Jay Baum, Jennifer Baum. And at her, her handle on social media, if anyone wants to find her, is Palmetta. Um, oh, she's fantastic. She's fucking awesome. Yeah. She's we fantastic. Have her on. Yeah, she she's did a takeover for me, actually. Oh, yeah, she's really great. She's been on my Instagram. She is unbelievable. Yeah. And that kitchen is. She's amazing. She, okay. she came ahead, to Belly Blue yeah. Camp and she's done some work with some of our online um, programs as well. Um, but I just consider her just an incredible yeah, resource. Amazing. She's yeah. really great. I should but connect you guys. She talks, yeah. yeah, you would love her. And she talks about the division of responsibility. And I think that's kind of what you're talking about with your kids. It's um, preparing one. Um, meal. She's really good about um, almost like it's kind of hipster, like deconstructing things. So if she's making, say, spaghetti and meatballs with pot, with tomato sauce, she would have meatballs in a bowl, dry pasta, spaghetti sauce, salad, and she would be combi- allowing people to combine them on. So everybody gets the same thing, but they might choose one meatball or three meatballs, mm-hmm. red sauce or no red sauce or whatever. And then that's exactly our meal time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everything's in different like things, and you can yeah. add your your cucumber or not. The and then you can the have the spicy stuff. For, you know, so we'll do a lot of the time as we'll we'll we just consume like a massive amount of hot peppers, right? So we'll make something not very spicy, and then we'll add more salt, more hot peppers, whatever for ourselves. Um, and and you know, I'll generally just serve a salad on the side of everything, and you just kind of I we have to our kids have to have some of everything. They have to have a bite of everything. I used to push them a lot more to finish their plates. And then as I've come more through this journey, I realized some of the stuff I grew up with about, Mm -hmm. you know, clearing my plate. And, and so I don't want that for them. And then I've learned so much from women like Jay, um, who she talks about the division of responsibility. That's what I was going to tell you. Um, and the idea is that the parents responsibility is to provide the what, like you said, kids can't decide what's healthy. They can't even really process nutrition information until adolescence. According to Jay, this is all her, you for sure have to talk to her. Um, but she, um, she says, don't bother trying to teach them about nutrition. Get them to help you, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like set the table, come to the grocery store with you, whatever, help you in the kitchen. You decide what's for dinner. They decide how much they eat or whether they eat. And so, you know, that's to your exactly, point about your kids going that's to exactly bed, how I feel. To go yeah. to bed, um, hungry if they choose. I mean, they're not going to starve themselves, right? Yes. Eventually they will choose from what you offer. But yeah. it's really hard to not let your own um like mindset about it get in the way so that's the tr- that's like the dance of for our generation i think is trying to raise kids who don't have those hang-ups or think that they yeah. have to like I'm, a starving kid in africa man. is gonna die if they don't eat a pound of yeah. spaghetti for dinner you know <laughs> like i think oh my god Sarah, everything you're saying is resonating so deeply with me and i think it's so apropos because i find like that's exactly it like mm-hmm. this is a it's a generational issue totally. like just it's so funny so i was reading this book cat and nat's book and they actually talked like moms of the 70s like they didn't <laughs> freaking work out they smoked cigarettes yeah. that's how they stayed skinny you know <laughs> they had martinis at five o'clock every like single French. day you know exactly <laughs> yeah. like they didn't like they weren't like yeah. i guarantee they weren't in the lululemon army like that's <laughs> right. not what happened right they're not doing pelvic floor exercise no, they they did, uh, <laughs> when was like jane fonda business when did that start <laughs> i think about our parents it's like 80s yeah i think yeah. Like, like i think that's when like the world became like a thing and then it was like cindy crawford yeah, yeah right. and like the, stepping, the chair on the beach the stepping shit yeah, yeah. there's a chair on the beach the cindy crawford chair on the beach 
No, but we're okay. going to talk. I'm okay. sure. I feel like we need to but make I, that up. So, Dean, I have a question for you. When you see yeah. moms come into the office, yeah. that for me is always the issue. I have to be honest. I have a very bad issue, which is I'm going to confess here, which is like I'm now five months postpartum mm-hmm. and like my body has not changed dramatically mm-hmm. since I had my first kid. Mm-hmm. And I went through like six weeks where I'm like, oh my God, like I'm down the weight that I want to be down. And then I was like, gave like something happened and that's yeah. it, I'm off rails. But I see other women who are postpartum and I know for sure they're checking me out being like, oh, she's like about five months postpartum or whatever. Oh, she hasn't lost her baby weight yet, right? And I see other you women. You feel like, judged? I feel totally judged, but I find that I also do it to other women. Yeah. Where I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. she just had a kid. Wow, she looks... And in most of the cases, I'm saying like, you had a kid six weeks ago. Are you fucking kidding me? Well, in your pregnancy, you look like you swallowed a basketball. So, and you're also somebody who's naturally really thin Mm -hmm. to begin with. And you've never had a weight issue in your life. Or maybe you have that I don't know about. Maybe you're more anorexic than you are a binge eater or whatever your stick was, right? So, um, I just assume everyone has some sort of body image (laughs) issue. I think they do. I think they do. I'm going to see a lot of women. But when you see a lot of moms who are postpartum, you know, like what's... What's so general well, me too, right? So I've gone, so I have four kids, you know, I four kids in seven years. I've gone up and down and up right, and down right. and up and down. And it always gets to this point where my kids are like a year and a half ish. And I feel like, I feel like comfortable in my own skin again. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and people start to comment on it. And then typically around now I get pregnant again. And then people don't ask me about it for a bit. No, Andrew's like, just no. The shit out of Andrew. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm not getting pregnant again. But um, but yeah, so I've, I've gone up and down. And it, it's funny when people start to comment, right? Yeah. And like, on oh, you're body. looking really great again. Right. Um, and, and now, I mean, thankfully, thank you, patients, but people are, are commenting more often that I'm looking good now. Or what are you doing? What are you doing differently? Or whatever, those kind of things. And I'm like, but you didn't comment like six months ago. Well, that's the so value for, judgment for right them, there. there was like a number. Mm-hmm. That I hit, or a size that I hit, or whatever, mm-hmm. people start commenting. But I see women go up and down. Actually, you know, minutes ago, many minutes ago, we were talking about you know a lot of women like their pregnancy bodies, or right. they or they don't hate their pregnancy bodies. A lot of it time is because like even if you're chubby or heavier, at least it gets firm. That there's something to like the firmness of a belly. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's not like the flabbiness that you have. Or it's acceptable. Heavy. It's the one time it's, it's acceptable. Exactly. To yeah. Like yeah. you're round and it's, it's, it, you know, you're, it's okay if your face got chubbier, like most people hate it less. Or like people I mean? who perhaps have had an unhealthy relationship with food and have always said no to every temptation mm-hmm. or every, mm-hmm. you feel more comfortable sugar, again. Yeah. That, uh, girls who are like very thin, they like, they like, and they love their curves, right? Yes. Cause first of all, they have curves for the first time. Their mm-hmm. tits might fill out mm-hmm. or like, and husbands also like, like having but a little there's more less guilt. junk in the trunk. Mm-hmm. And also they're like eating without punishment. And I remember, when I got pregnant the first time, I was like the thinnest, thinnest I've ever been. And then I just like stopped it all at once. And I remember the first time I had McDonald's, my husband's like, uh oh. Like he's like, I had like, I ordered a McDonald's French fry or something for some reason. It's those cool little urges. Like to me, it's like the epitome of bad eating. But and those like, French fries the are ultimate so fucking good. Good. Yeah. like crack for me. Right. Yeah. So I was yeah. like, I remember the first time I had it. My husband's like, are you seriously going to eat that? Cause we had been so, so like for five years, we had been so healthy. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I am. And I'm going to enjoy it. And then I remember it was honestly, I think it was part of my baby announcement. I was like, I like did the emoji of like the baby face, like made baby made me order this like that. People are like, oh my God, you're pregnant. Like the people who like read it and saw it. It's like, yep, that was it. Like started eating For me, it's toast and cheese. It sounds so ridiculous. But my <laughs> it thing, sounds very British. When I'm pregnant, when I'm pregnant, I want like toast and like shitty cheese. Like not even good cheese, like processed I don't want that now, cheese. Dina. I'm making me hungry. Sorry. We have toast and cheese. I'm sorry, but real cheese. We have real cheese. Um, anyway, yeah. So, I mean, I feel like yeah. a lot of women feel pretty okay, even being, he- even if they're heavier people when they're pregnant because there's something to it. There's like the relaxation 
sensation of like mm-hmm. I could just eat now and it's okay and like I'll some people have you know some guilt around like I have to deal with it later but there's the deal with it later part but then you have the baby and that firmness is gone and suddenly it is just all like the the extra weight or the extra fat or the str- you get all gooey there's this thing um, and I think Andrew knows what I'm going to say we you know when you deliver I don't know if anyone else felt this way but when you lie down something that firmness is gone the uterus is gone and then it feels like dough it's so soft and at first and it feels yeah. like gooey dough it's so creepy like the skin is all stretched and everything yeah, yeah. but like that so so squishy feel when your belly just kind of oh goes God. in or whatever anyway it's kind of my favorite it's also but it's like really a bait and switch it's a it's, yeah. it's like um i think it don't, i don't think it matters what size you were um before getting pregnant because i do think that most women feel like they're not allowed to eat the way that they really would like to eat mm. if they had penises instead of vaginas. I was going to say, you think, yeah. ma- if you were a male physician, you know, I mean, one person would ever make a fucking comment on God, your goddamn no, body. No, exactly. They would not or they would? They would never, if you were a male physician, yeah. they would never ever, if you it weren't be a mom, much they would never ever sure. make a comment about your body unless you were like ripped all the time and just be like, you look very... No, I think what's do that in people, like there's some like very good looking male pediatricians that everyone talks about as like the hot male doctor. Oh, yeah, but I don't think to them. He's so hot. But I, I don't I've think to them. Did, but everyone talks about how hot I, he is. I think, yeah. I think not to them, but I mean, I'm sure it gets back to them, right? But, no, but, then but they wouldn't say you look fat or skinny or they wouldn't say to that doctor like, oh, wow, your eyes look extra blue today, doctor, right. or whatever. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair, right? yeah. Like so, you, so, were, you were actually a public figure and somebody, you would be in a public eye where someone would make comments about your body and I think also as women we are on display and it is a yeah. feminist issue that yeah. we are the only gender that it is okay to sort of say like, a medical oh, doctor I mean bad. like right. one of the most highly educated members of, a, of our society and still uh, the reaction is to her appearance yeah right. yeah I mean, well think about like presidential right candidates there. It's right. all about it's like you know how, how pretty or not pretty or whatever. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, don't get me wrong. Th- thank you for saying that I look good. I have no issue with that at all. But it is interesting. You're right. They probably wouldn't say it to, to men. Um, anyway, so yeah. So you you have this baby. The baby yeah. comes out, and it's you're exhausted, and you're tired, yeah. and you're and then suddenly that the firmness that mm-hmm. doesn't feel fat is gone. You know, your uterus and the baby. You know what I mean by the firmness, right? Like yeah, it's hard and I, versus yeah. it's it's it feels flubby. You guys know what I mean, right? I anyway, the baby comes yeah. out and then suddenly everything that's left there and you're squishy and you're not toned anymore and, and all of that. And that's when suddenly you're like, wah, wah. Now I have to like fix this. Like this mm-hmm. is a problem that needs to be fixed. Even though it took nine months to get to that point, takes quite a lot of time, much more than nine months usually mm-hmm. to get back to it. Mm-hmm. And then it just adds to like, you know, you already have all these other things to deal with, like feeding your baby and caring mm-hmm. for your baby and sleeping. It's just the and, expectation too that um, you have to get back to it. Yes. I mean, that... I mean, there for sure there can be levels of like weight gain which are uh, fundamentally like detrimental to, to your health. Um, but that's a personal choice. It's not a societal ill the way that we project it to be. I mean, definitely there. I don't even think that the term obesity epidemic is really considered a um, a positive term anymore because um, we've got far worse. Um, you know, I mean, I, I like. Uh, necessarily bring anyone's like love of their nightly wine into question but we've got other things that we do that are just as harmful as overeating mcdonald's fries or drinking ice cream or eating and drinking ice cream <laughs> you're drinking ice cream <laughs> maybe you need to examine it yeah <laughs> but, but um but yeah it's it's more just the it's the, the expectations are so insidious and um and we are regardless of how firm our bellies are while pregnant or not, because there is going to be a level of um, body fat where, um, even, I mean, you'd have to be very, very pregnant for the belly to be like 
appear firm on the outside, yeah. right? No, you just mean like, you know, when people are like, oh, mm-hmm. can I touch your belly? That. Totally. That the, but know, there are a lot. Of, it's not fat. But you there are a lot I mean. of women who yeah. feel like their pregnancies are less valuable, or their pregnant bodies are less beautiful because they don't have that basketball belly. Like we are expected mm. to somehow defy the laws of science and gain weight only right. in and the only fetus. torpedo. No, for, only like the fetus. Yeah, somehow yeah. those calories yeah. are supposed to be just directed by some sort of miracle directly to the fetus and not to our breasts, not to our asses, not to the deposits, normal, subcutaneous, completely healthful fat deposits on our asses, our thighs, our upper arms, our breasts, our shoulders, our faces, places. And we don't value those in our culture, but there's really very little um, evidence to show that that subcutaneous fat is in any way not healthful. It's 100% in a value placement aesthetically. And so there's like women who like, even before they deliver already feel like they're doing a shitty job of being a pregnant woman because they don't, because they're gaining weight in places other than their bellies. Mm -hmm. And they're already set up to feel like they're behind the eight ball before they even fucking deliver. And Mm -hmm. then on top of that, we say, okay, it's so cute how you're getting big. Oh, you're so cute. You know, and we infantilize pregnant women like we do, like we do older women, we infantilize them. And then we, the baby's gone and that's it. Instantly, all value is stripped of her. Fix it now. Absolutely. And at every little bit of value that was placed on her is now placed on that infant. And she's no longer a vessel. She's now, solely responsible for maintaining her or reinstating her aesthetic value. Mm-hmm. It's just such a wacky way to look God, at it. just like, honestly, like gave me a hard proposition. That's exactly. <laughs> no, that's such, I had to, my first pregnancy, that was my experience. Like, yeah. first of all, I had no fucking clue what I was getting myself well, into. Well, like, you're nothing, walking off a cliff. Well, you're, you're, like, yeah, you're, you're, <laughs> you're getting hit by a track yeah. and no, nothing can prepare you for motherhood except for fucking motherhood. Exactly. Like, you gotta go exactly. through it. And then the second and, time, you know what you're in for and, then, even and it doesn't even make it even better. It's like, you have amnesia because that's how society continues. Because if you remember, times, like, things, you know, society would, like, humanity would end. But, mm-hmm. I completely agree with you. My mm-hmm. first pregnancy, I remember like wearing outfits. Like I was like, how cute could I make this bump look? Mm-hmm. Like how many, comp- like I would like dress my bump up, like the most fitted clothes, mm-hmm. high heels, really? accessories. Oh my God, oh, my first cute. pregnancy. I, I was, was like, so not like that. I was like, to the nine. I felt shitty. I'm like, just, I want to go you were, sleep. Like, so I want to be in a onesie. Yeah. No, I, I, I felt Ugh. that way, Dina, but I felt like I needed to combat it or like that I liked well, good for those. You, though. That's cool I felt that you like did I that. I needed to like, I needed that, right? You needed I, validation. Yeah, I needed validation. And plus I feel like, you know, when I look at it now, like my second pregnancy, I was like the sloth. Like, I didn't give a <laughs> fuck, right? I was like, okay, I'm 11 I weeks. Put me in maternity pants right now. Like how <laughs> high can the waistband be? And like when I was, I was like wearing little tiny dresses and heels and going to concerts with like booty shorts on with, when I was pregnant so with <laughs> But like I put on 80 pounds, you know? So I was like, I didn't, I didn't seem to, care mm-hmm. i was like oh and the other thing is i think because i'd been fat before i wasn't mm-hmm. scared of being fat when mm-hmm. i was pregnant i was like oh psh, mm-hmm. i've seen that number before i can manage that mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. god little did i know that do i you have- do a lot of scale watching <laughs> oh i'm obsessed still yeah it's like your damn fitbit it is my fitbit. i love <laughs> yeah. the fucking numbers man that's why i, you know, I, I, like, I don't I pay get- attention to scales so much <laughs> yeah like I, I know within like five or six pounds where i am but I, I'm, I'm not would you say you're that. like type a though in general i'm not at all no and okay. i am you are your brain type. yeah I think I just know where my brain can go with it. Yeah. Like I know, yeah, I've never it's a know. rabbit hole. Since I was like a teenager, I'm not counting yeah. calories yeah. and things like that. Like I'm not. You have to I, know that about yourself. But I know that I would get addicted to it. Like I've, mm-hmm. a, you know, like I've never done cocaine because I know I'd get addicted to yeah, it. Yeah, me like, too. I, I 
just know that about myself. I didn't cook. Neither have I. Never. No. Many, no, many other no things. Let's talk about drugs one day, actually. Because yeah. most people don't know this. It'll be like an eye opener. Just like, I've never had anal sex, but we talked about it. Like many people, <laughs> the number of people, the number of patients that talked to me this week about like non-anal sex in per, per se, but like, like oh, your podcast was great. Change specialties. And, yeah. Um, your podcast was great. I was like, great. You know a lot about my sex life now. And, and they're like, huh? <laughs> you guys came out of the gate strong and with the anal too, sex episode. Men, men are talking. I actually went out with girlfriends yesterday and they were surprised to know how many um, men, uh, parents, uh, um, fathers that mentioned the podcast to me this week. Like, oh, I listened to your podcast. I'm like, am I, am I supposed to be pleased about that? Lots and are lots you, of downloads. Are you hitting on me? I, what is this? I don't know what this is exactly. Well, thank They're you. Like, how you do, like, girlfriend? Yeah, basically without it. But in front of like their wives and partners sometimes too. And like, I'm like, is this awkward for you guys? Have we talked about this? The other day, I got, you know, a whole bunch of questions from the mom. And dad's sitting there and then it goes, are you done? Like to his wife. And she goes, yeah. And he goes, so can I ask a question now? And I was like, huh? And he goes, um, do you like doing your podcast? And I was like, <laughs> oh my God, your wife is there, man. What is this? What are you asking me? And I was like, I do have fun on my podcast. He's like, I like your podcast. <laughs> Okay. Do you, how did you not tell me that? That's so funny. It just happened. It happened yesterday. Oh, that's so funny. Um, I was like, I love that you love my podcast. Thank you. <laughs> well, anyway. we did start out. We did come out of you the gates pretty strong there. Did. 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 You know, Rhonda you know Katz? Have you ever met uh, her? Well, I think when I heard of the name, what was her sex at Help 11? Me, Rhonda. Help me, Rhonda. Yeah, I can't remember. It was remember. like Sue Johansson remember, and Rhonda. Remember, I remember. Sue. Yeah. Sue. Yeah. Sue. Sex there was sex with Sue, Sue and there was Rhonda. At the time, Sue was already quite old and Rhonda was young. She was like the younger of the two. Yeah, I'd have to look up her show. I'm sure. She's amazing. The conversations we're getting to have, Dara, and this, and like, it's just, it's mind blowing. Honestly, this is the funnest thing. One of the funnest things I've done, it like in my fun. in my career, for it's sure. It's just fun to like just talk about stuff that yeah we we want to talk about or don't or talk about with our with our best friends in private or just have like our own self talk about yeah. what we yeah. talk about out there. I I want everyone to be able to say what everyone else is thinking mm-hmm. or, right. you know, without, without that filter. Like this is what this is. It's just conversation right. without filter. And I filter. think it's interesting when we have subject magic matter experts like yourself mm-hmm. and I find that Dina and I are like, you know, we're a good dynamic because yeah. she also has a subject a- and I'm like a big personality. So it's like a very good dynamic. Yep. And Dina also has a giant personality. So it's fun <laughs> that we get to sort of play with one another. But what's great about you, Dara, for example, you are really an expert in this field. Like you live and breathe this stuff. And like, I think everything you said today was like more. Tell me more. <laughs> Tell me more about everything you're thinking. Like that, I could, this could be a three hour podcast, like 100%. this one episode, because I think this particular yeah. issue is so, it's um, so, it's like so mainstream, but also perhaps misguided in the information that's out there. It's like, what's this new term for people who are obsessed with eating well? Um, orthorexic. Orthorexic, mm-hmm. right. Orthorexia. Like, right, orthorexia. So these girls who I know who are these Instagram social yes, media celebrities, yes. like, I'm an orthorexic. I'm completely addicted to eating well and exercising. Well. It's, it's, it's a positive thing? This, well, I, I think this is a problem. Okay, when we go back to representation or like for our kids growing up, um, being represented properly by... Why are you laughing? Laughing? I laughing? I don't know why I think it's so funny. I'm just picturing some of the people I know who came into the closet saying uh, that they're orthorexic. They're, uh, it's a very it's it's a it's a very it's a it's a bandwagony thing. So, and okay, I, so tell me some of the trends. Then. Okay, Let's go like you're that. showing like, off find, as being an orthorexic. I think it's a very. I think it's a. I think there is a great appeal to jump on like a hashtag body positive hashtag bopo hashtag you know whatever and 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 get into that limelight and feel like. I think these people want to appear as if they are on the cusp of this movement when really they need to shut the fuck up Uh because if you are (laughs) a skinny white middle-class woman and you are 
even using a hashtag like body positive, you have missed the point entirely. Mm. We have enough of you. You know what I mean? Yeah. There is enough There's a military of you. Of you. Exactly. Yeah. We are all running from you. Yeah. Right? And even to <laughs> you know what though? You know what though? When you say away. that, now I feel like I shouldn't even talk about healthy eating. Because people might look at me and be like, you're that, you it's know, skinny di- blonde bitch or whatever. As Alana, Alana okay. put it one, Alana, like on one of the initial ones, you were like, well, sorry, Dina, but like you are that skinny blonde bitch or something like that. And I was like, I guess, but I like, but you you're bitch. right. Or whatever. No, I don't mean in a bad way. No, I think all. I called like no, no, But you're right. Though, but, but the perception. <laughs> I thought that was what we were going with from now on. You change your Instagram bio. You're sitting here and he's like, hashtag anal sex. Hashtag butt plug. But you're quite right because I wonder, like, because we are about healthy eating and I share recipes and whatever, but yeah, I wonder if someone would look at me and be like, well, fuck you, you're not overweight. So I think you have to, I think you just have to be real about your own intentions when you're using your platform. And if you, you're coming from what I would see, seeing you from the outside, Dina is like, you're, you're speaking as a mother, but as a medical doctor. Mm -hmm. And so your recommendations may not be informed necessarily by, um, any particular allegiance to a movement, Mm -hmm. but they may be informed by your medical knowledge and your recommendations in terms of how you raise your family. Well, being Mm -hmm. an example, right? Yeah. But think, but think about it from the, the influencers perspective, right? Maybe those people like myself Mm -hmm. had these issues, still have these issues, still Mm -hmm. work on being okay with their body and Mm -hmm. their childhood of being overweight or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And now they're pushing this like, whatever hashtag nonsense I think that and they look to the outside world yeah. it's like we've well, got your shit together bitch like you're so skinny why could you talk about healthy eating that seems unfair but maybe they are dealing with their own shit from they a year be, ago they 10 years ago well, maybe maybe I'm, they're bullying now you know what I mean and I think that there's it's not that that they shouldn't be able to speak to their own experiences yeah I think it's very different to take um your very acceptable mainstream white able-bodied appearance Mm -hmm. slap it into a before and after or like what's the um the 2019 version of that is um this is how i look when i sit up straight this is how i look when i slouch we all have roles or you know what i mean it's but really the role is like well yeah but it's just like you know it's a very small amount of body (laughs) fat and 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 women in bikini shots or postpartum body shots who are literally living breathing and perpetuating this awful um pressure on other women to look anywhere remotely close to the way that they look in postpartum but then pretending that these posts are about body acceptance they're not Mm -hmm. they're not if you i don't believe you said we're running away from that army we're running away from you people and even from my perspective i i struggle using the hashtag body positive in my posts because even my own appearance doesn't fall so far outside of the lines of what would be considered healthful or acceptable that I feel like that's my platform to speak from Mm -hmm. when there are women of color, women who are, you know, um, a hundred pounds over what we would consider acceptable or whose bodies are differently abled or, um, women from non-mainstream North American cultures or ethnic backgrounds or socioeconomic statuses. And those women, are not being represented and their children are not being represented mm-hmm. and they are not seeing representation of women that look like their mothers. And so for, for the um, women who already have that platform because they are acceptable and they are considered beautiful and they are considered their bodies and their appearance is covetable for them to then take that 
and then spin it into a the onto the bandwagon of body positivity is to me is so irresponsible. So who is the best person to speak to these things? I think someone who's genuinely going through a process of examining their own beliefs and 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 sharing their journey. But the one thing you'll is that you'll never I will never post a before and after. I will never post. It doesn't matter where my weight ever ends up. I will never post a before and after. Because mm-hmm. I think when you truly and I will not post, I mean there are some, you just, don't you know it when you read it? You know it when it's fucking bullshit. You just mm. do. And but I, I think, think sometimes that's inspiring, no? I have a friend from, from <clears throat> elementary school that recently mm-hmm. lost like a ton of weight. I, I don't mm-hmm. know exactly how much, but she's, um, she's, um, I got some coaching and mm-hmm. she's now into the coaching mm-hmm. world and she is very positive and mm-hmm. she's, she's working on herself and she's not crazy about fitness and she's not crazy about mm-hmm. healthy eating, but she's mm-hmm. mindful about it. And I've actually been really enjoying reading her, her posts just mm-hmm. and, and seeing these before and afters because she's so expressively on Instagram and Facebook, mm-hmm. very happy with where she's come and how she's learning about herself and mm-hmm. all these things. Mm-hmm. And actually I find it really motivating. A lot of times though, this stuff irritates me on mm-hmm. Instagram because they're women that were like 20 pounds up and now they're 20 pounds down and they're like, it mm-hmm. wasn't, you know, but maybe it was a huge struggle for them. Like, again, I don't know what's happening in their own brains, right? Like For sure you don't. And yeah. she's a personal friend of yours and I would assume is not someone who makes her living as a social media influencer. Correct. So I think that irresponsibility she's, she's like a real is person. when you're, you, yeah. yeah. And that's different. You're sharing for your friends and this is a decision she's worked hard yeah, on and you would hope that it's coming from a place of health and self-care and yeah. not from a place of feeling like, finally, I'm... I'm within shooting distance of not hating myself in public. Like that's an entirely different motivation. And I just think that when you have a, uh, when you've been given a platform by the rules that speak to that, that allow white skinny women to have a platform, then to take that and say, Oh, but I have roles too is just the biggest piece of shit like mm-hmm. you can it just that, yeah. reeks of shit mm-hmm. and you know you know it when you see it because if you're genuinely going through that journey if you the thing is if you're still in that place where you have the wool over your eyes you're totally going to follow that woman mm-hmm. if you are and that's why it's irresponsible that's why um continuing to add more before and afters continuing to add more pictures of skinny white women in sports bras saying you know um hashtag body love hashtag postpartum body and they literally look exactly the same as they did before they had the baby or they look so much like every other woman you see in a magazine or that there's they're not adding anything they're not contributing Mm -hmm. in any way they're only adding to the heap of shit on that side of the line and i think Mm -hmm. the women who speak from that authentic place and i i could like let you keep going there like i was sorry i will just keep going i wanted you to speak slower because i wanted you to i wanted every word to pound the pavement but you know, there's a few counts out there and it's interesting that because we ended up talking about social media a lot here because mm-hmm. it's, I think it's interesting. Like, I think it's our world though. I mean, not just our totally. world, but I think women of right. our generation and I think, are on I think, social media. And also like as people who are now hosts of this podcast, right? That like, it sort of now walks hand in hand. We use Instagram and social media as a vehicle to promote yeah. our people. And we meet a lot of people through social media totally. and like meeting someone through social media right now is completely legitimate. So I met a woman through social media, um, Papaya, what's her name? Yeah. Birds Papaya. Okay. She, for me is like the mm-hmm. real deal She's real because this is a woman who is quite be- like naturally gorgeous mm-hmm. and her body completely dramatically changed through pregnancy. And she like posts photos all the time of herself in bathing suits, but she has serious stretch marks on her 
behind her thighs and her stomach and she's mm-hmm. like these are my war runes and her mm-hmm. i think she has all of her kids are teenagers now mm-hmm. and she's just like rocks it and everything about that to me i was like oh my god you are the real mm-hmm. deal and you can see when those voices are authentic and i think we've done a very responsible job dina having people on our podcast who i think it, like all the accounts should be mm-hmm. followable and people that are totally relatable mm-hmm. and i don't even realize i think until this conversation that we've actually done that because it's people that we want to trust them right? we trust or, yeah. or, or we believe in what they're saying you know mm-hmm. i couldn't have somebody here who's like selling a pile of shit as you're saying yeah and i think for you dar what you're so interesting is like you live and breathe the shit and see real moms every day mm-hmm. and i think what your like um ability to sort of dig deep into these major i think um issues that women face or what's the psychology the psychology of this right yeah, yeah. Of course. psychology of body and psychology yeah. of mom right yeah totally and mom bod and like what does that even mean i mean i think our entire generation is just terrified that like when you have a kid you're just doomed to be fat for the rest of your life well you're right? yeah and you're just worthless now you're, you're worthless done, because yeah. like you have no no more value yep. and then this entire new generation came up we're like okay well i'm gonna bounce back right away it's like go oh, fuck you with your bounce back what the fuck that does even mean right and then i'm like to some degree i'm like well i want that i still covet that like i want to get yeah. to that place where like yeah. i looked when i was on my wedding day and you, you have know to have I mean? that compassion for yourself yeah. though because inside you is that little girl who was taught that that was what your job was as a woman right and to be skinny and that, pretty. that was your job yeah. i mean that that was your like that was your job is to go to weight watchers with your mom your brothers wouldn't be sent to weight watchers no your brother would be taken to work with your father that right. was his job your right. job is to fucking look a certain way right and sure yeah go to school but through it all you better look a certain way mm-hmm. and that message is just we're we've just been so blind to it i mean our generation i think is so powerful because it's the most uncomfortable fucking place to be to be aware of this and realize like we don't want our kids to grow up this way but to still have that messaging yeah and have to actively just like we pursue any other like all the hard things we do in life like going to medical school raising kids childbirth be you know starting a business we do all these really hard things and and sometimes these acts of like um of self-development i think we just don't pursue them hard enough and and i think like we're willing to like grind it out at the gym or we're willing to count calories um but the really hard work is in like um digging into what is it like what is it that I really want what do I actually believe and where am I willing to potentially separate myself from um situations or people in my life that don't serve that any longer and I think for me especially I mean from personal experience my experience with going through I mean it was very very thin when I had um when I uh got pregnant the third time I've always been um since I've been in, in fact i believe now, I don't think I've admitted this publicly um, before now, but I believe now that the reason that I entered into this profession was due to my eating disorders. Mm. Um, and so now I here I am 20 years later going, mm. wow, I spent 20 years nurturing this eating disorder by literally becoming a fucking professional eating disorder. And now the last <laughs> year, the last three years. Everything you're saying coming out of your mouth is like tweetable <laughs> tweets. <laughs> Now the last wow. four years, I'm t- I'm trying to break that down, and it took a couple of years of really deep, like a, kind of a dark place that I went to, you know, um, and and now coming out of it the last couple of years, I'm going like, okay, like how can I actually figure out what my body will do if I don't always like I'm not saying don't no, obviously exercise still that's what I do obviously you know eat healthfully I'm very careful with the way that we eat but I'm 
way less. Like I didn't even allow bread in the house when my children were younger. Mm. You know, I'm the keto. I know it's keto, mm. but like I've been, I was there like a whole paleo period. That's like mm. lost my years. My kids are not keto. Just to be clear, my kids eat everything. Like normal. I literally yeah. put a, a, a recipe for lasagna that did not fucking include pasta. Okay, mm. it was sweet potato noodles and like six thousand pounds of meat. But I like I've been down those rabbit holes, and it's really recent. Like it's so fresh in my mind that I'm still like I'm embarrassed by it because mm. I realize now I was one of those women. Mm. I was one of those women who didn't realize, like you were saying, that I was being one of those women. I was being skinny and saying, look at me and how I'm skinny and I don't eat pasta and I love myself. And really deep down, I did not love myself. Right, right. But I felt like I was, um, you know, at least kind of on the winning side of this of this game. And so getting over to the losing side has been like a really powerful lesson for me. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't ever go back. I wouldn't ever skip over this period of having gained weight and having experienced what that has done to my vision of myself and my understanding of my place in the world and my understanding of how I raise my children and my understanding of how I um, function as a trainer and a coach and even just as a friend to other women. Um, because I, I think, like you said, um, Alana, that this stuff is so woven into all the things, like even listening to your podcast um, with Ron about sex. Mm. I just kept thinking body image stuff the entire time. Mm-hmm. Right. Like how much we let these things affect our most intimate relationships. Whoa, just chin like Yeah, well head butted the microphone. So Linus I think it was in that podcast where you were yeah. like, My husband loves me twenty pounds up, twenty yeah, pounds totally. down, or all around or something right. like that. And yeah. that stuck with me. Yeah. You know, our partners love us anyway. Yeah. I don't think they give a shit or no. Like we yeah. may know what the number on the scale is, but they don't know. And I don't mm-hmm. think they give a shit. Mm-hmm. I don't think they even know what one twenty versus one sixty means. You know? It's funny because one of my girlfriends, when I was my thinnest I'd ever been, mm-hmm. like in my entire life, was right before I got married, which a lot of people go through bridal rexia or whatever it's mm-hmm. called, right? Where you mm-hmm. like never worked out or eat better in your entire life. <laughs> and then I got to fit into my yeah. dress. And I, then I got married on my way. I got knocked up on my wedding day. So that was over. <laughs> but like my girlfriend once said to me, she's like, she bought me this shirt. It said the heart wants what the heart wants. And that was like, my husband had said that to her when, um, before, when we first started dating, she was there on our first date Aww. and she's like, so you're into my friend. He's like, the heart wants what the heart wants. Like, that's what he said. And she found a shirt that says the heart. So she's like, I bought you an extra, extra small. Cause I know you're going to fit into it forever. I was like, thank you so much. Oh <laughs> I've never been an extra, extra small. Extra and I have this shirt right now. I'm like, my son who's two could wear it. Like, he's like, so Put that shit on like a doll a and yeah. just keep that doll. One boob. <laughs> so funny. And she goes, I love Matt because he's going to love you 20 pounds up, 20 pounds down. 20. We were so drunk and she was like telling me this whole thing about how Matt's going to love me any he size does, I am. I was like, you're right. He, he does and he will. And it's so funny because like um, for sex and sexuality and these sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny because you're, you're like your fitness and health professional. Um, and now we're talking about sex, but like, you know, I, lo- I love having sex with my husband. Mm-hmm. I love having sex with my husband. And now that like the physicality and the physiology of actually being able to penis and vagina thrusting is fixed. <laughs> I just did the signing of the penis and vagina thrusting for those who are like great three styles. I think it's a camp thing. Oh, penis. Then, Sorry, Andrew wants to go back to the penis. Penis. I think it's so important that women understand that, like, your man loves you. It doesn't matter what it is. Or your partner, your woman loves you, regardless what it is. Or yeah. if you're a single mom, like, you should love your yourself, you know, regardless what it is. And, um, I don't it's know where they just want to thrust their part into your part. <laughs> 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 that's it. 
So how, I mean, I don't have, I don't have um, daughters, but I think it's an, an important conversation to have with all kids. And our kids yeah. are actually really, really varied sizes. Like there's no, there's no common yeah. body type amongst my four yeah, kids, totally. which is interesting. Our, our first is tall and skinny. Our second is quite short and chubby. Yeah. Um, our third is just teeny tiny in every sort of way. He's yeah. teeny tiny. And our fourth is, I think, much like our second. He's, he's a big dude. And, um, and they eat all the same things. Like I would yeah. never be restricted. Like, oh, Ryan, you can't have a donut today because you're chubby. I think that's something we should really <laughs> be cautious about. I actually I see that I see that happen sometimes oh, in the office. Gosh. Yeah, I'm um, sure it does. And and like every time something like happens when like a, a you know a smaller child or a thinner child gets something and parents you can tell um have issue with that larger child having the same thing. Oh. I'm like Oh, I don't know how to fix this oh, for you, you but yeah. and you can't, but you know, and I know why they're worried, yeah. but I don't know how to fix all that. And in our, you know, my, my mini visit with the children there, whatever, yeah. but anyway, but how, how do you feel like we should best educate counsel. our kids, counsel Adult. our kids, raise our children <laughs> to be mindful of what they're yeah. eating and health yeah. conscious and like, without I mean, having well, issues with that. Not to get bullied, right? I was like, going to say, it's like, the, yeah. Yeah. it's like the dads don't want, that don't like, want their kids yeah, to be well, gay. I'm like them. I think be like them. Yeah. Like I think a lot of right. women, especially, mm-hmm. um, see their daughters especially but maybe mm-hmm. their sons as well maybe being heavier and thinking to themselves how did I feel at the same age being heavier yeah. and they want so badly for their child to not go through that yeah. same thing yeah, the pain yeah. yeah the pain of society exactly yeah. what you're saying it's well like that's the thing so we can't un- we, it is yeah. it's so huge and we can't undo it we can't undo it unfortunately like I mean I think it's, there's a power of working within your own family like changing your little corner of the world um but I think it's the my understanding um like I'll be completely honest my my eldest is she'll be 12 and um she's not I was looking at her the other day we were at the dentist and I was thinking I had a moment where I thought I'm, I'm glad she she's just average sized and mm-hmm. I and it just flashed in my brain out of she's getting her fucking teeth like braces done and that's what popped into my head. And as far as, and I consider myself someone who's relatively far along on this journey of like recovering from this crap, but still those, those thoughts are still there. They're still, they're still there sometimes. And, and it is true. It's just that you don't want them to feel that pain. You don't want them to feel mm-hmm. different. It's just one more thing to deal with yeah. but the, for them. I, it is, it is. And, and it's, and it's just so much harder to be a girl than it is to be a boy, I think. And I mm-hmm. think that the, like level of analysis that we're under is just so different. And now on top of it, I mean, the last couple of generations and now we're also where we have to be just like professionals as well as, you know, Skinny objects bitches. of exactly objects of perfection. And then you have like, you know, we are talking about um, making healthful meals. I mean, I, hundred percent with you on that. Like, I think it's super important that that parents learn how to cook healthful foods that they enjoy eating, that they can serve their children, that their children enjoy eating, and that that is a part of their family culture. But there now is this pressure. Like, you can't. It's not good enough to just like put a plate of spaghetti on the table anymore. Now it's got to be like gluten free this, and you know what I mean, and like unicorn tears and 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 you have to instagram it if you don't get a flat lay before everybody eats then you're fucking failure and and <laughs> and, and it, like this is like so much right so I think the best thing for when they get to as they start to get to the ages I'm always breaking down so if we happen to be watching TV um, and like a Victoria's Secret commercial comes on we don't watch a lot of network TV and that's one of the reasons and I say the same thing to my sons if a Victoria's Secret commercial comes on or a commercial comes on for some kind of like women's cosmetics or something like that I will speak to them about it and I'll say oh like I might say something like um 
why do you think they're speaking about, why do you think they just showed her doing that? Or, and I'll just get them to just question it. Because I think the best thing you can do is just get that questioning yeah. early so that they <clears throat> don't accept that anything that they're shown is that they have to take it all um, as presented to them. Yeah. Um, and then I think, I probably think we're getting to the stage. I mean, she's, you know, she's not quite 12, but where I will, I will, I do speak to her sometimes about what kinds of situations she'll face, you know, and unfortunately those situations are different for girls in a lot of ways, you know, even just walking to the, like we have a movie theater one block away. And so she went one night, it was cause it's dark at five o'clock. So mm-hmm. she went to like a seven o'clock movie does not make me uncomfortable for her to watch. She's almost 12 for her to walk one block at 6 PM, but it was dark out. They said, pull out your phone. And I said, if you see a man coming, Call, you know, text me as soon as you get there. If you see a man coming down the side of the, your side of the street, cross over to the other side of the street, please. If you feel uncomfortable, pull out your phone and call my number. And she goes, "Why?" And 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 it, the easy thing to say is, "Just just because, just because I just want you to be safe." The hard, real thing is to say because there are some men who will hurt young girls, and those are the awful things. Why, um, you know why do you have to explain this stuff? Because do you want them to have the wool pulled over their eyes the same way that we did? I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't. And if that means explaining it to them at their level and feeling a little bit uncomfortable about it, then that's a, a hard parenting thing that I feel like I need to do in a lot of the ways that we do other gross, hard parenting things. Yeah. And I think it's like as being a parent, that's one of the things that you're not really prepared for is like you're going to have to it is have icky. a series yeah. of really hard conversations, yeah. but also like make decisions for your kids Yeah, that like is the beginning of billions of decisions you're going to have to make yeah. for them that's in their best interest. So. And you never know what's going to stick, right? Yeah. Like what, what I was saying about the doctor or what you were saying about your mom going, you know, yeah. to Weight Watchers. Yeah. You don't know what one line totally this whole lifetime of childhood for them is going to stick with them forever. Right. And it's you know, no one's going to think through every single little thing. They and say I don't think it's kids, malice you know? either. Like no, all these yeah, things that happen. All. And I think what's interesting now is that when I think about now, like 18 year olds and 17 year olds at ICD and I'm not sure if you experience, but like, it's interesting that the pendulum is swinging a little bit, right? Like kids are now like interesting, right? Kids mm-hmm. are like dyeing their hair and they're queer really young. They're coming out and like mm-hmm. a girl can wear, you know, a suit to school. And like, I think, what we used to think is like classical bullying isn't necessarily there. So I think like it's, it's like the minutia of what's happening is moving Mm -hmm. a little bit closer towards something that is positive and good Mm -hmm. for decisions about body positivity for Mm -hmm. sure. And about kids just like maybe growing up in a little bit of a less terrible world than yeah. maybe the one that we came from and I think our world was a little bit less terrible than the one that our parents came yeah, from totally. right? so I think we are moving closer to that and my daughter's just turned five months like what yeah. yesterday and I already I was gone for four days and I was like I came home I was like am I fat? I'm like we're never talking about the word fat in this house we're never talking we're just talking about healthy and strong those mm-hmm. are the words I like said <laughs> I came home and the first thing I said when I saw my I'm like oh my god you got so fat while I was gone and everyone who was caretaking for my daughter was like we don't use that word in this house you said that's the rule I was like I know but you've been like for sure you've been overfeeding her because she's so chubby in her cheeks in three days like you know so like I can't help it it's still like it's part of it our is, culture so we're saying, you know yeah. we take 10 steps forward and two steps back and we're trying. You, like just we're just trying better, right? Right? you just yeah. be one percent better. You just be one percent better. You be one percent more yeah. aware. Um, yeah, I think awareness. Know, you be exactly aware. Like I was thinking like be yeah. aware and be thoughtful. Yeah. yeah, and you know what? If you can't, I think one of the the things that has helped me is just to even if I don't really feel it, to just fake it a little bit. Uh-huh. That you know, walk naked from the shower to my room. I get you're probably like a naked walker, aren't you? 
I am a super naked okay. person. So I, Dean I, and I are both uh, very naked. Yeah. People. Okay, I get yeah. to be naked on the daily. Yeah, yeah. like walk Literally. naked from your shower to your bedroom. Like even, I mean, it, I understand like not, not everyone's comfortable, and I'm not saying do things you're really uncomfortable with. But if the only reason that you're uncomfortable is that you perceive your body only valuable when it's being used for sexual purposes or when it looks a certain way question that and question do you want that to be the way that your son grows up thinking of a woman Mm -hmm. that it's oh inconceivable that he should see you unwrap your towel and throw on your sports bra like or that your daughter should see you hide yourself or pick yourself apart i mean i just think there's so many Mm -hmm. ways that we can um just show nudity show the body and okay it's the simplest thing i have to tell you a story so dean and i went to a spa together yeah two weeks ago three weeks ago whatever so it's interesting Dina because we went and it's a it's a totally this different gonna be an anal sex story no no, <laughs> no but it's a nudity story is that okay well, we went to a spa and had anal sex what <laughs> with each other <laughs> what's the story what are you picturing here yeah no this yeah. is great this is great because so, it's, I feel exactly the way you just said yeah so, yeah so you were like literally espousing a lot of things that Dina and I actually discuss a lot and one of the things was that Dina had this like aha moment when we went to the spa it was a Korean spa mm-hmm. and everyone was naked and mm-hmm. everyone was 100% confident and Dina's like I love being naked it's so nice to be in a place where everyone is naked mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And people are not looking, and people are just naked. Yeah, and it's so funny because I was in Vegas this weekend, and I went to a spa. I'm like, it was an all women's only spa that's like bougie, mm-hmm. and everyone's in fucking bathing suits except for me. And I was like, yeah, this is awkward because you're all in bathing suits looking at me, and I'm yeah. naked. I'm postpartum with giant tits and like yeah. things falling out all over the place, and like literally my boobs were probably leaking like at the spa. And I was like, <laughs> you like that's exactly it. I, me and Dina had this very pleasurable, awesome moment where like it's not like we're like nudists or anything, but like mm-hmm. we just like being naked it was nice to be around yeah i'm thankful to have a body that works yeah that has grown four children mm-hmm. birthed four children supplied them with milk i feel very mm-hmm. and it's not even about my weight at all i just feel yeah. very happy that i have the body the mm-hmm. able body that i have that's able to take me through my the totally. world and i feel like so many women are so feeling uncomfortable at yeah. everything it's just your body, man. Yeah, like my so boob sad. and my vagina, my bum is not yeah. different than my arm. I mean, I know it is different. Don't get me mm-hmm. wrong. I'm not. I'm not crazy, but I'm. I'm proud of what I have, and mm-hmm. I don't know why we have to be so weird and yeah, tidy like, all the time. Like, covered yourself, like like mm-hmm. how you just mimed it. Mm-hmm. I was like, I just witnessed this in Vegas, like the town of yeah. like hedonism was yeah. like people were covering up, and I was like, for the few women who weren't, I was like. Like power on to you, mamas. You know, yeah. So I don't know, yeah. I and, and I get why people have have that about right. them. But yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like as little girls and boys, kids are you know naked all the time, and you're yeah, jumping in the pool. Totally. We're all okay with that. And you're like, oh, oh, oh it's so. Mm. And, you know, and then we go through puberty, and I get it. Like, there's our bodies become sexualized, no doubt. Mm-hmm. I don't think we should be walking around like outside mm-hmm. naked. But I also think like in the privacy of your home or amongst friends or whatever, we should think about our bodies and be thankful for what we have and and. You know, I'm not talking about flashing my patients, mm-hmm. but you know, in in a, in a private space, <laughs> crew might get really good reviews. <laughs> yes, <from> yeah. <laughs> Something my rate MD goes like really, really high. But no, but I, I think I think we have to think about and be thankful for for what we have, right? Whatever yeah. you know, even if it's not like you know, you know, ten plus plus to us, right? My kids see me naked on the regular. Mm-hmm. Once it becomes more sexualized, if it's I'm awkward not going to, them, to be, but I it's think super it's, not yeah, awkward yeah. to my if kids, and I'm not, them, and I'm, it's, it's not awkward. Right? Like literally, like yeah. I go to my my baby's room and I feed him and. I'm not typically wearing anything mm-hmm. and I breastfeed him and then 
and then I may or may not get another kid up and then I get dressed yeah. and there's nothing like there's no, I mean, there's been questions asked and my mm-hmm. kids have asked questions. Yeah. You know, there's every one of my kids has gone for the, how come you don't have a penis stage? Um, <laughs> right, or you're the only one. one of my kids asked like, where do I tuck my penis? Was my four year old asked me once, where do I tuck it? I was like, I don't tuck it anywhere. <laughs> so where is your penis? Mommy doesn't have a penis. What does she have? She's a vagina. And then there's the, where's your, uh, your, where's your vagina? How's your vagina? Yeah. I want to see your vagina. Like there's all that, those kind yeah. of stuff. And then you teach them the anatomy is different yeah. and then they get over it and yeah, they don't totally. ask me anymore. Like, yeah. And it's not sexual. It's not weird my for little, you. My little kids, it's right? It's a definition of everything in parenting. I mean, yeah. it's not about what you say. It's just what do you demonstrate as a hang-up or what do you demonstrate as a priority? And if if you don't demonstrate that you're concerned about the way that your body looks, especially when you're in the company of your loved ones, and you don't demonstrate that food is something that must be controlled, portioned, measured, and 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 and, and um, you know allotted like it's some kind of war ration, then they're not going to ever grow up thinking that. And you can show them that there is sensual and food and there's pleasure and love and reward and soothing in food and then hopefully um, allow them to with your guidance like learn to eat in a way where they enjoy that but that they don't depend on it as their only form of soothing which I think is where we run into issues with any substance or behavior right yeah, but so you can love and enjoy food but that doesn't mean that you're, you're not supposed to how do you put you're a not baby okay. on the breast for two years literally and, as you're saying and, and and then say right. oh but then god don't have a fucking bowl of ice cream when you're upset like right, where are right. you like it's so funny you should say that like, like my mother like, once said to me when i was nursing and i was going through my first early stages she's like just let her suckle like let him yeah, suckle like yeah. he just wants to soothe and i was mm-hmm. like oh yeah like this isn't just like you know, um, like food for him to sleep and eat. Like yeah. maybe he just wants to suckle. And when I and after she said that, I was like, okay, fine. Like you can just like suckle mm-hmm. a little bit. It's so funny that you like even the using the word soothing and food yeah. and thinking as mother how we soothe our kids. It's it's exactly the same. But you enjoy can't your fucking into, bowl of ice cream. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Enjoy and you can't the damn in, bowl of ice cream. Totally. What kind of ice cream you have in the freezer, Dean? I don't know. Fuck, you probably have nothing. <laughs> no, we have some kind of very chocolatey Keto. something. Totally have yeah, coconut yeah. milk. <laughs> ice cream's not really my thing. No, but we do have some legit ice cream in the freezer. Just we'll look after. So, Dara, yeah. what is like the one message you want to power home for our listeners? I, you had so honestly, there were so oh many gosh. golden moments in this podcast for me. This might be up there as one of my favorites. I think so. Too. Go ahead. Sweet. What's your like? Um, I guess. Have you written anything? Do you write? I do. Well, I write a lot for my own site, and I've written for some other sites. I I would can, like to write a book. Can you send me some but, of your stuff? Yeah, for sure. I'd love to post it yeah. on my in my newsletter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would love to. Um, I guess my one of the things I always come back to with my clients is I find that we are um, we're not just judgmental about ourselves about our weight and our appearance. We're judgmental about ourselves and our performance in general. And I think our we perceive our our physical appearance as like an aspect of our performance. And so our value as a, as a woman, as a human being, as a member of our society or household is, is a measure of all these things added up. And a great portion of that is how we think we look or whether we're adhering to the womanly behaviors of like exercising, minding our diets, et cetera. Um, But one of the things I usually work on with clients is understanding the way that they parent their children um, really is the same way they should care for themselves. And so when it's difficult to find compassion for themselves, I'll ask, ask them to consider the way that they would can treat their child in the same situation. It's not really earth shattering. You've probably heard some version of it before, but I think it's really powerful when it comes to um, thinking about things like physical exercise and, uh, and, and nutrition, because we can be very objective and kind and caring with the way that we 
introduce and enforce physical activity and ex- and nutrition with our children. So offering delicious foods that don't necessarily no, like not following a particular diet or anything unless it's prescribed by our beliefs or whatever, but you know, delicious foods at regular intervals when they are hungry, they're allowed to eat when they're full, they're allowed to stop eating when it's a reasonable time to have a treat, maybe once a day, depending on your family, maybe a couple times a week, whatever, that a treat is allowed, they can have as much of it as they want and then it's done. That they should get exercise every day. Do we need to drive everywhere? No, let's walk. Should we do just dance? Should we play sports? Like these are not, it's not rocket science. But what we do is we really overcomplicate it. And we only tend to look at things like right now, I think intuitive eating is like a kind of another when we look at that like body positive bandwagon or that woman who sent you the intuitive eating book intuitive eating is very trendy but we don't we always think of intuitive eating is like i should know when i'm full well that's one side of intuitive eating but what we forget is that we should also honor when we are hungry and i see so many women who deprive themselves of food in instances that they're really hungry because they don't think it's time to eat they should eat they've had enough to eat etc and it becomes really impossible to honor any of the body's cues if we're not really listening. So that includes days where um, we legitimately are exhausted and do not want to exercise because we're legitimately exhausted. And in postpartum, that's a really common um, situation. It's common all year. It's common all the time. But the thing is, when you have have movement as a part of your routine and it's not coming from a place of self-punishment, then on a day where you legitimately have slept three, four hours, you feel like a bag of shit, your body aches from head to toe and you can't keep your eyes open you're not going to force yourself onto the treadmill because if your child came to you and said, mommy, I'm so tired. I need to go back to bed. You just bundle them right in the bed and you probably get them a fucking snack too. Right? Mm-hmm. So t- <laughs> the way, that, the way that we treat ourselves is so removed from our ability to use compassion that that's just the simplest way to start. I think is have some compassion for yourself the same way you have compassion for your children. You can, when you have many children, so you have four, I have three, having many children has made me realize body types are different from birth, like you said, mm-hmm. and that there is a great variety. I know that we, we hear this, but to, to really drive it home here, I'm knowing kind of beating a dead horse, but we don't see it represented. We hear it. There's lots of body types. We see our children. And then at a certain age, we have a cutoff point. We're like, sorry, that's not acceptable anymore. You better manipulate your body to fit within this range now because you're not allowed to be cute and chubby anymore. You're not allowed to be big boned anymore. You, you know what I mean? This is, this is how you're allowed to look and that's it. Mm-hmm. So having some compassion and seeing yourself really as just a child further along on the path I think is the best place to start. And if you feel, um, if you feel uncomfortable, if you feel hungry, if you feel you need rest, if you feel lazy, like you haven't been moving very much, like listen to what your body's telling you. It sounds a bit cliche, but I do think it's the easiest way to start. Amen. This was so refreshing. I have to tell you because almost all the, all the body conversation I had, and I thought maybe we'd go there. I was surprised we went here and I'm super happy we did, Mm -hmm. but like mostly it's like, Tips and tricks like how not to snack after eight o'clock. I can fucking write. I did that for fifteen years. I know you. Yeah. I know, and that's the thing. Is like, <laughs> you thought we were about that shit. No, I didn't think we were gonna go <laughs> there. But like when yeah. I think about body and wellness yeah. and healthy and belly boot camp yeah. and just mm-hmm. what I thought you're who you are. I didn't really know you before this, and mm-hmm. now I'm obsessed with you. But like I did not know that that's where you came from, and it's like. It's a really refreshing, I think. It's take. nice to have other people. It's nice to have people be interested in it. Mm-hmm. You know, because no, I think you should be writing. I think you should write <laughs> down every thought and it should be, I mean, the, sh- the people who are publishing books right now are, you know, it's, 
And let's help you get a book. Yeah. <laughs> book deal. That is all about the books now. All about the book deal. You just start a publishing company now. Right. Do you know what you learned today from our friend? Actually, I have a lot of things, but what you just said actually like is the thing that like stuck with me the most. Like have compassion for yourself the way you'd have compassion for your child. Yeah. I think it's a beautiful way to think about life. Yeah. And you can really apply it to just about any yeah. expectation. If your kid is tired, you put them to bed. Yeah. If you're tired, put yourself to bed. Yeah. Right. If, you're, if your kid is going to go to school, don't go to school. If you need to yeah. do off of work, take a day off of work. Like yeah. I love it. I love, I love that. it too. Yeah. I think that was an aha moment. And when you just said like, we are the watershed generation, like mm-hmm. it's just, it is what it is. It's too late. We're yeah. gonna move on. We can't go back. We can't go back <laughs> to like undoing an entire lifetime of being, and I went our mid thirties and like mm-hmm. hopefully hitting our prime in our forties and fifties, et cetera. But like that years of punishment of like, just like you said, like having these false expectations or this completely yeah. ridiculous set of norms that are supposed to be um, imposed on you. And I did a woman's studies degree. Like I, yeah. I literally did like my sister was making fun of me. She's like, you're finally using your communications and your woman's studies degree in one <laughs> go. Good for something. Like, quite honestly, I am. And like that feminist discourse. Yeah. It's so, it's and I like, don't want to be one of the, I don't want to be, do you want to be like worrying about the stuff still when you're in your sixties? I don't know. Like I would rather hash this shit out now and get to my sixties and like love and have it. a good decade under my belt already where I'm like, yeah, this is just how I look. Right. Yeah. Fuck you if you don't like it. Right. You know? Exactly. Yeah. I feel like I'm, I think like I'm at it. the best place in, in that way. Like, yeah. you know, having had all these negative like thoughts yeah. around food and, and mm-hmm. exercise and body image younger i feel like i'm actually in a place now yeah. where yeah. i feel really comfortable calm about it yeah. and it is what it is the body i have mm-hmm. is the body yeah. i have and i'm just going to do stuff that's making me feel good mm-hmm. rather than about the looking yeah. good and i think i'm the same i think i'm okay as i said being up and down and up and down i'll have certain goals and targets that obviously i want to mm-hmm. work towards and maybe we'll talk about that mm-hmm. eating me offline <laughs> or online um i'm not gonna i'm not gonna Lindsay, but i think there's i think there's something to be said about the fact that i've always had that sort of attitude like this is who i am it's my body i'm not apologizing yeah. for it but i'd like to fit into my jeans or whatever yeah. it is right mm-hmm. and i think like and when feel I, confident whatever that means for you my confidency like when i wrote that i am a fat mom article people lost their minds like i do not see you that way i don't even think you had an ounce of non-confidence whatever because i espouse confident i am confident yeah i am i'm yeah. very comfortable with my big boobs and like mm-hmm. you know my 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 body has it always been mm-hmm. um you know i just like everyone has goals right mm-hmm. and i also don't like i could get into a very bad habit also of having a very unhealthy relationship with food where i'm mm-hmm. sitting there and binge eating too right mm-hmm. like the wrong shit and eating chocolate all day every day i mm-hmm. could do that right mm-hmm. so the question is finding something that's normal and you know it when you find it because you feel that calm and when you don't have that yeah Yeah, i do feel yeah Mm -hmm. i I do feel like i'm in a in a good place that way i think that's inspiring Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay like i love you don't go to don't go to you guys too sleep over (laughs) i gotta get hop in the car (laughs) i offered her wine and she was like no i'm gonna i'm thinking about driving home tonight i was like you're welcome to stay over <laughs> my mom's got me covered right, yes <laughs> thank you this well, is really so great if someone me, wants ladies. to find you how can they find you so um you can find me um the web address is bellybootcamp.ca do we still say that is it like 1999 the web url um and on instagram it's um it's actually at mom.bod.love um and social media is mostly bellybootcamp or mombodlove so if you just awesome. search my name, you'll find me. Thank you so yeah. much. Thanks Thank for you coming. so much, mamas. Yeah. Love you, Dean. Love you, Andrew. Love Thank you. you. <laughs> Night, mamas, papas, love you. Or daytime or whenever you're listening. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. We hope you really enjoyed the content. We are eager to chat with the most interesting people about topics you care about. Please connect with us on social media at Moms That Say, at Moms TO, and at Dr. Dina Kulik, and share your comments, requests, and to continue the conversation. If you want to hear more, click subscribe and rate us too. 
We're all about the feedback because this podcast is for you. Have a great rest of week. Until next time.